What it do? What's up? Welcome to another episode of ENN. ENN stands for Exiles Network News. And this is episode 39. We're back like sequels. We're back like reboots. We have to apologize because we missed last uh, week's um, episode, you know, due to you know, our schedule, you know, coming out of COVID, things are a bit crazy right now, but we couldn't stay away for too long. So we are back with a really good episode and I'm delighted to be joined by the usual suspects, Christian and Paul. Christian, what's good? What up? Missed you guys. Good to be back. Same, same. It's good to be back. It's good to hear your voice. Can't wait to get into this really good episode, Paul. Mister Positivity. Yeah, I am positive today. We got some, we got some great stuff to talk about, and I've been, I've been waiting what ten days now to talk about Tron. So, uh, it's, it's a, plus we got some, some other, some other really big news in the last uh, couple of days. So this is, uh, this is gonna be a good one tonight. Yeah, yeah, it really is gonna be like this episode. This is like, this is a thick episode. I'm talking like, Sofia Vergara thing, like, like a Beyonce, bowl of thing, like. Sorry. All you can eat Adele before the weight loss thick. Okay. <laughs> Here is our rundown of topics for the day. So we're gonna start with Tron 3, which is officially uh in motion. We're gonna go a little bit deeper into some details about that. Paul is gonna have a lot to say. He's the biggest Tron 3 stand in the entire world. So uh that's gonna be a nice conversation. Then uh AT&T has been doing a bit of restructuring of Warner Media and the properties under them, and it's resulted in um, some pretty serious fallout, including a lot of layoffs at DC Comics. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, and we're going to pivot from that kind of somber news to some really exciting stuff. We have our DC fandom preview slash primer. You're going to get Everything you need to know about this one-of-a-kind, first-of-its-kind virtual con. Then, in some breaking news, Batfleck is back. The GOAT Batman is back. And we're going to dive in and we're going to talk uh, about the details of his appearance in the upcoming Flash movie. How we feel about it and what that means uh, for the future going forward. Then we're going to talk about the ongoing uh, saga of Ray Fisher versus the Justice League reshoots executives. Um, yeah, it's it's getting real, really real in the field, as they say. And we're gonna we're gonna get into that. Then our coming soon section, we have a dope trailer to talk about: Death on the Nile from Kenneth Branagh, featuring a ridiculous cast. Trailer came out. We're going to talk about it. Then we also got a tiny teaser for the trailer for the Snyder Cut. Um, we're going to, you know, react to that as well. And uh, without wasting any more time, let's go in. So let's start with Tron Three. Out of left field, kind of out of nowhere. There were like some rumors bubbling, and then all of a sudden. Uh, Deadline Magazine dropped an exclusive that we finally have some movement on a sequel to Disney's Tron and Tron Legacy uh, films. 
It's officially, officially in development. Um, and the director is going to be Garth Davis. Uh, he's, uh, he's not really like a massive director. He's directed a Lion and Mary Magdalene. And it's going to be starring Jared Leto. However, this does not mean it's been greenlit. Um, so let's start with Christian. Christian, what do you think about uh, Tron 3 starring Jared Leto? I definitely want to leave a chunk of this to Paul because I know how excited he is about it. So I'll try to keep my comments short. But Paul, I'll tell you this. My wife had, I think Daft Punk did the Tron Legacy score. And that was on her playlist when we were in the car the other day. And it's a pretty damn good score. It's a really, it's a, it's a techie tech, uh, like kind of like a thumping. It's really just an interesting, it's kind of clubby, but it's electronic. Anyway, it's a really good score. Um, I, there's a lot going on to digest with all this and Paul can really wrap into this a lot more. It seemed like Jared Leto had been potentially involved with a Tron project for quite a while. I think it was called Tron Aries. Um, now with, if that's potentially what Tron 3 is going to be, does that mean he's going to be playing Ares? I liked the direction that they took in Tron Legacy with the ISOs and having especially Olivia Wilde's character come out um, along with what's-his-name's son, which, and now they're out and about in our world, and she's learning about our world. She's an entirely new life form, an entirely new organism. Um, if they went that direction... I really would be 100% behind this. But right now, we don't necessarily know what direction it is. It could be a very villain-centric movie. They could be going back to something that really is more along the, like the machine war. Um, so is that, more, is that a little bit more Matrix-y, so, quote-unquote? So again, like you said, Lupe, nothing is really set in stone here. But from a sci-fi perspective, you got to be kind of excited about this. I, I know Leto's a little crazy, but he's a good actor. It, you know, they seem to take a lot of care with Tron Legacy. They did that movie right, made a decent amount of money. Fans were behind it. The production value was really high. The special effects to try to update everything they did in the 1980s to today looked fantastic. So there was a lot of respect there. If they're going to do something like that, I think you have to be excited for this, unless you just don't care about Tron and then you, you shrug your shoulders and say, I don't give a shit. But if you like Tron, yeah, I think you got to be pumped for this. The only downside is we just don't know too much about it. Now, I know Paul's done a lot more research, so he might have a, an, a better idea of what direction it looks like they're going in. But from the little bit of research I did, it looked like they didn't necessarily have a lot of meat on the bone for us to chew on quite yet. I'll end you on this and toss the football back to you guys. I hope it's not a reboot. That's what I hope. Mm. There were rumors out there in the past that they were going to reboot Tron. I'd prefer not. Let's. We got some really great stuff with the ISOs. I, I would really like to see more of the effects of what happened on the grid in the real world and everything like that. The, you know, that the programs are they're alive and everything. I just I don't want to see some sort of reboot. Let's continue this cool storyline that they really had going in Tron Legacy as opposed to rebooting the whole thing. So outside of that, I don't have a ton to add, and I'll, I'll chuck it to you guys. Yeah. Uh, so so I'll, I'll I'll take over there, Christian. It. Um... I mean, for me, this is this is great news. I, I think this is pretty exciting to see this this finally, um, you know, semi-confirmed moving forward. And and just just to back that up a little bit, this was actually leaked about a month beforehand. Uh, there was a Disney music executive who was being interviewed on something called the uh, Light the Fuse podcast, and the executive's name was Mitchell Lieb. And this was back in uh, I think it was July eighth. The article leaked, or the article came out um, that. Um, 
he was trying to get Daft Punk back for, for Tron 3. And he said, we've got a great script. I mean, a really phenomenal script that we're very excited about. Whereas the timing wasn't right to have done it years ago. I think we feel like the timing is right now. And I feel like we've learned a lot of lessons from the last movie. And then he goes on to say that from, you know, from his perspective as a music executive, the first piece is to get uh, Daft Punk back. So this, this has actually been out there for a little while, about a month before this uh, Deadline exclusive broke. Um, but I thought there was a couple of really interesting things here. So Deadline made a point of saying that it hadn't officially been greenlit, that Garth Davis was a tr- uh, attached to direct, which um, with Jared Leto producing and starring, which um, Gareth Davis is a bit out of left field. Like I know I've not seen Lion. I know it, it uh, was nominated for a number of awards. Um, it, I'm actually going to go watch it now because I'm curious to see what we're potentially getting. But up until this point, Kaczynski was always uh, Joseph Kaczynski, the director of the original Tron Legacy, um, not original Tron 1982, but the, the sequel Tron Legacy, was always attached. Excuse me, attached to direct uh, or rumored to be attached to direct any sequel if and when it uh, if and when it comes out. And so I was disappointed to see that he wasn't attached. But I was uh, pleasantly surprised to see Jared Leto. And and <laughs> I mean, boy, I. I didn't realize how much hate there was for Jared Leto until they announced him attached mm. to this project. And boy, there was a lot of negativity. Like most of them, most yeah, of the surveys there. you see going around on you know film Twitter are, uh, are you excited about Tron three or uh, you know yes no why Jared Leto you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> like um, so, I was really surprised at the negativity toward Jared Leto. But I'm I'm curious about Garth Davis. I would have liked to have seen um, Charles Kaczynski. But then you know as I say. Deadline left it off as not yet greenlit, but then shortly thereafter, Leto came out on Twitter and he he confirmed it himself. So I think this is more than just you know talking about a project. Like he's, I'll read you his tweets from August 10th. He said, "I'm struck with such gratitude for the opportunity to bring this movie to life, especially as both the original video game and the film affected me so deeply as a young child. The fact that I get to be part of this new chapter is mind blowing. I'm so very excited and proud to confirm that yes, I will be starring in Tron." We will work as hard as we possibly can to create something that I hope you will all love. We have some very special ideas in store for you all. See you in the grid. So that that sounds a little more confirmed to me, a little more definite. Um, so so I think that's really great and exciting news. And I like Jared Leto as an actor. I liked him as Joker. I know he gets a lot of hate for that. I thought he was great as Joker, and I want to see more of that. And uh, I hope we do get to see the air cut, and you know, we'll get into DC fandom and what we're hoping for there later. But um, he's been great in, in a lot of things I've seen. I mean, I liked him in Blade Runner 2049, and I saw people criticizing him for that movie. I thought he was just fine. Um, I've never seen Dallas Buyers Club, but, I mean, everything I've seen Leto in, I've liked. And I think he just he just looks the part. Um, of, of a character that uh, you might see in, in the Tron world, right? And whether or not he's a, a protagonist or an antagonist, I, I kind of assumed with a name like, rumored name like Ares, that he's going to be a villain, and, and we'll see what, uh, you know, what comes of that. But I think this is great. Um, I hope, like you said, Christian, and this is a big one, I hope it's a sequel and not, uh, certainly not a hard reboot. I don't think it's going to be a hard reboot, but even not, not even a, a soft reboot. That's not really something um, I'm interested in. Um, in them doing, I'd like them to continue the story. Now, now to your point about Cora, uh, played by Olivia Wilde, coming into the um, into the real world. I mean, that that concerns me a little because what I love about Tron is the grid, mm. right? When you bring the ISOs into the real world, and um, and they said, uh, now let me take this back a step. This this is another interesting point about this whole story. So, in addition to the Jared Leto hate, we're getting a lot of people <laughs> saying it's saying it's a reboot, and yeah. and 
I have, I've seen no evidence that this is a reboot. I'm not sure why people think um, – are so sure that this is a reboot. Maybe it's because Garrett Hedlund and Olivia Wilde have not been mentioned yet because uh, obviously they'd be fairly important to um, – you would think at least fairly important to a sequel. But there is an interesting point here. Um, when you look at who's been attached to write the script, it's someone called Jesse Waguto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never heard of Jesse Waguto, so I looked him up, and I've never heard of anything Jesse Waguto's ever done. But interestingly enough, uh, these rumors of of Jesse Waguto being attached to write the script go back to December 2012. So mm-hmm. back in you know back in December 2012, which is now what almost eight years ago, uh, he was reported to be working on the latest version of the script. Uh, Joseph Kaczynski, uh, in an interview back in December 2012, uh, said that the film would be Tron's Empire Strikes Back, so the second movie, I guess, in a trilogy. He said it would blow the doors off the franchise and explain that Tron 3 would take place in real time following the events of Tron Legacy after the same number of years. So the way I'm interpreting that is if this came out in 2015, it would be five years after Legacy, and and we're going to see all of a sudden what's transpired in the last five years since Korra came into the real world. Mm-hmm. Now... Are they going to um, are they going to do that now that it's well it's already ten years later? Uh, are they going to do that now that it's you know, twelve or thirteen years later? By the time this actually hits theaters, probably. I mean, if this actually gets going soon, we'll probably see it in two thousand twenty-two. Um, I'm guessing. So, are they going to pick it up twelve years later? And and if so, then I guess you could move forward with that story and explain the absence of Garrett Hedlund and Olivia Wilde um, if twelve years have passed, or maybe there's maybe they're going to be included and they just haven't been confirmed yet but um so i'm kind of thinking that maybe we're still going back to this idea and and not to belabor this and i'll I'll pass it on to lupe shortly but as you look through the evolution of of how this um sequel has a sort of um the life the life cycle of it i guess as it went on from 2012 2013 tron uprising the animated series that we've talked about before that i really like Mm -hmm. um it failed to land a second season things started to go downhill for tron um, but even at that time, back in 2013, Kaczynski had said that the film was going to open up the world of Tron, give it broader appeal. It wasn't, and even up until March 2015, uh, they said that Tron 3 was supposed to start shooting soon in Vancouver, and that it was going to be called Tron Ascension. And Olivia Wilde talked about the script. Um, she said she'd seen one. So, so this got pretty far, and she said that it, um, that hopefully it was going to focus on character development for Korra in the real world and the exploration of intelligent, uh, sort of artificial intelligence in the Tron universe. So everything was still moving forward up until May 2015. Um, and then Hollywood Reporter added that Disney was interested in adding Jared Leto to the cast. So we're not talking Leto reboot. We're talking adding Leto to the existing story. Then they said that uh, later on that the... Um, uh, later on in, in 2015, the plug was pulled, and that was sort of where it it kind of died. Then back in 2017, um, Joseph Kaczynski was asked again, and he said, no, it hasn't been scrapped. It's in cryogenic freeze. And then a few days later, they said that Disney was looking into rebooting the franchise with Jared Leto. Now, that wasn't Kaczynski that said rebooting. So this is maybe where the reboot thing with Jared Leto started, and then... Uh, you know, from 2017, you know, they've said they've got this script. They've said it's in cryogenic freeze. Um, Lido was attached. And now when we look at what the executive said a month ago, that they've got a great script that they love, um, that's, you know, it's that the time wasn't right before, but now it is. It leads me to believe this isn't a reboot. So anyway, uh, sorry, sorry to ramble on too long. but uh, I think I'm with you, Paul, and, and, and a part of me for in, interjecting. 
for a second. I agree with you, and and I'll keep it I'll keep it brief. I think the only reason people start thinking you know reboot not only does it get clicks, right? You say reboot, and you know people start oh you know they get a bunch of clicks. But I think there's two things at play. I think it's the development hell that you just explained. That's number mm-hmm. one, and number two, Jared Leto's very big personality. You know the cultish thirty seconds to Mars following and everything like that. It's just very. I think you put those two together, and it's it's very easy to start a narrative of a, a reboot. Even though what you just said leads, I agree with you. It leads me to believe that it's not one, and I really hope it isn't. It's just I think it's easy to see how that story kind of feeds on itself, you know. Yeah, well, apparently, I mean, this this back when this rumor of of it being a reboot featuring Leto um, started, which was in 2017, that that's when we first heard of this working title of Tron Ares, mm. um, which apparently was subsequently deleted. And then I think Leto did it again. I think he called to Tron Ares again back on October <laughs> uh, on August 10th, I think he and did. then had to delete his tweet and repost it without the Tron Ares. I think he right. put like hashtag Tron right. three instead of hashtag Tron Ares. Um, and originally it was rumored to be called Tron Ascension. That's the only thing that would give me some maybe some pause. But I think this is more an evolution of that same script that was in Cryogenic Freeze. At least that's the impression I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, the only question is, are they going to still bring back Garrett Hedlund and Olivia Wilde? Uh, are they still going to treat it as though it's real time and 12 years have passed? Which would make sense because you're in a, you know, you're in a world where the technology is is constantly advancing in, in our world, and you, you kind of have to keep. Uh, the technology leaps in the real world kind of consists with yeah. what you're seeing in the movie, in world, and then yeah. obviously they—I mean, there's a huge fantasy, sci-fi fantasy element to the to the Tron world. But um, I mean, when you look at the tremendous leap from '82 Tron to 2010 Tron, and and you weren't kidding when that when you say there's a—I mean—a huge technological leap. I mean, that that 2010 Tron movie is still beautiful. Uh, it, it, it absolutely holds it up. Is. It's one of the best uses of 3D to this day. Um, I, I, it's just a, it's an audiovisual feast that that movie. I absolutely um, love watching it. It's, it's, it's hypnotizing just just looking at it. Right. It's just uh, whether whether you think the script is convoluted or overly stylized. I mean, that's what I like the stylized nature of it. I like the mood of it. I love the the, the music. Like you said, this this. The score by Daft Punk. They've even got a, uh, you know, I still listen to that. And there's even a, <laughs> another version of it called uh, uh, Tron Legacy Reconfigured, uh, which is like a sort of another, another twist on the Tron Legacy uh, Daft Punk score. So I, I think it's great, and I can't wait to to get a chance to go back into this world. And um, I'm just, I'm really excited about it. And like you, I just hope it's not a full reboot, and I hope it can be reconciled with the last, uh, the last installment. And then, hey, if this is the second in a trilogy, and this is their Empire Strikes Back. Fantastic. I hope that's still the case. Yeah. So. yeah. Lupe, what do you well, think? Um, I, I think that you guys have exhausted <laughs> this topic <laughs> <laughs> to, to every logical con- conclusion. Um, I, I'm excited about, about Tron. really love what Giuseppe Kaninsky did with the 2010 version. I think it's one of the – definitely one of the best – uh, looking films of the 21st century. If you're going to make a list of you know great looking films of the modern age, it has to be on the list, or else I, I don't want to hear anything else that you got to say. Um, so on that wavelength, I'm kind of disappointed, a little bit anxious that he's not involved in any way. Even if I heard that he's a producer or a consultant for something, because that way he updated the visual language and the aesthetic and what he does with um dimensions and and composition and structure there is there is something deeper about uh kosinski's style that really lends itself to 
the universe of Tron. If you watch his other films, if you watch his short films as well, there is something about his style that I that I noticed where the objects and the composition are very symmetrical, very structured, um, always divided in equal portions, um, and that lends itself to that you know cold, harsh ones and zeros sci-fi world. Such a natural fit. So bringing on another director. Will he have another vision or will he try to emulate Ko Kosinski um, um Kodinsky? Um I'm always up for artistic interpretation, creative freedom. So it could be very nice to see someone bring a different flavor, give us something else um that's different from what we loved, but you never know. We could love that as much, and we could just be happy with the variety that we get. But at the same time, there is still the risk that we get a downgrade. Have, have so, either of you guys? Sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to get your opinion on something. Uh, have you have you seen Lion? Have either of you guys seen Lion to know what we can expect? No, from, I haven't. From but I've seen, I've seen trailers. I've seen trailers for it. Um, yeah, I've seen term. like preview footage. He he doesn't strike me as a visually as a visualist now i got the same impression i skimmed through lion i skimmed through some scenes of it and uh, i just didn't see the connection and i know it's a well-regarded movie i just didn't see the the visual flair that you would expect Mm -hmm. Uh, so i yeah so i I don't get the i don't get the connection i don't get why but it could be that those films didn't present the opportunity for that but at the same time i'm not going to give him that crutch because directors who are visualists it doesn't matter what they do they always find a way to imprint their visual stamp on even the simplest most basic um material so he he really has to step his game up because there is a legacy to live up to no what about kind of... mary magdalene have you guys either of you guys seen mary magdalene um no, no. no. that one i don't remember the, the one thing I will I, I should mention as well is that back in that article I was talking about from July where they were interviewing the music executive uh, Lieb, he said at the time, and this is only a month ago, that the studio wanted Joseph Kaczynski back, though he's not currently tied to the project and might be busy with another Top Gun movie if Top Gun Maverick is successful. Um, so, you know, it's it's entirely possible that they still have a good relationship with Kaczynski and that maybe he will serve as a more hands-on producer and provide some of his... Um, you know, expertise and visual flair, even if he's not the one directing it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's time mm-hmm. will tell. I mean, I think we'll find out about the castings yeah. and we'll find out what level of involvement, if any, Kaczynski has. But I, I'm still very optimistic about this. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just looking forward to getting more information on it. Absolutely. So we will keep you guys updated as the story unfolds, as development goes forward. Fingers crossed, it does get greenlit. So um, while this time, it seems like there's more momentum, more force behind um, this attempt at it, it hasn't yet been greenlit. So let's just keep our fingers crossed. Okay. The, Tron, the Tron coaster is almost built at Disney. Uh, <laughs> it's already built in, in, in Shanghai, Disney. But uh, the one in Florida should be ready within within a year or so. So hey, they're not... They, They've got incentive to bring this movie out to uh, to hype up their coaster and get uh, 
get more butts in the theme parks, especially after COVID has decimated their attendance, right? So you get your arm oh, ready right. for that vaccine, baby. It's, it's the it's the perfect <laughs> storm. We're getting uh, we're getting COVID, the Trod cycle, and Trod three all at the same time, right? So yeah, yeah. Vaccine, yeah. I mean that's it, it's interesting you bring that because one of the big criticisms that a lot of academics have when talking about desertification is movies being made for theme parks. So let's hope that we get a film that's organic and artistically made rather than something that's forced to market because of a theme park ride. And moving on to the next topic, AT&T is restructuring Warner Brothers, now Warner Media, and they launched their streaming platform, HBO Max, to underwhelming results, unfortunately. And so they've engaged in massive, massive uh, organizational changes, which have yielded some pretty jarring results, most notably in uh, a slew of layoffs at DC Comics. Um, so this is a very broad topic. It's one that's very technical, and we can really go detailed into it, but at this time, we do not have the time to it. So let's just go through broad strokes, and let's have um, Christian lead us in this discussion because i'm sure he has some very important things to say about about this issue christian go ahead you're right i'll try to keep it broad and there are three big things i think it's dc comics dc universe and dc direct so those are the big broad strokes that if you're talking about it that's where a lot of these layoffs obviously are, are focused on and you know with the with the community that we interact with especially within the snyder cut community i know a lot of people have been very happy with at&t and we should be because of what's happening with hbo max and things like that however i've said it before don't trust AT&T. You shouldn't trust Comcast. Don't trust Disney. These are still big companies, and media consolidation is not a good thing, guys. It's not, and it never has been. And when Disney took over Fox and every other studio they've taken over, people poo-pooed that, and rightfully so, and started talking about antitrust. you got to think of the same thing here when you have a company like AT&T coming in and taking Time Warner. That's a conversation for another day, so I'll keep my mouth shut on that. I think you guys already know where I stand there. However, Here's the biggest thing. Um, while apparently the layoffs themselves were not shocking, it's the size of the layoffs, I think, that were that came as more of a shock to the industry. Um, 600 layoffs at Warner Media, including editors like Brian Cunningham and Mark Doyle, as well as Andy Katari, who is a major part of DC's rebranding and organization, as well as the establishment of the Black Label line a couple of years ago, which has been very popular. Um, VP of Publishing Strategy and Support Services, Hank Canals, all a couple of other people that led this very successful push into young adult and other kind of like younger focused graphic novels in recent years. Mm -hmm. You and I and uh, Paul might not give a crap about that, but it was a decent, it was a decent sized sale arm um, mm -hmm. that, that was there. Now, Jim Lee did say in a quote that they're not going to stop publishing comic books, that it's all, we're looking at everything and we're looking at the bottom 20 to 25%. That's what they're looking at cutting over at DC Comics. Mm -hmm. Some of the lines that are getting cut, that are getting cut, you know, you and I would probably say it's not surprising. It's Suicide Squad, Young Justice, Constantine Hellblazer, Batgirl, just a couple of others. Now, these are not at the top level of DC's sales every month. However, mm -hmm. what's so weird about it is some of them, like Suicide Squad, are very well received in the community. They're just not blowing it out in terms of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, but they are extremely well received in the uh, critic community as well as us, you know, the readers. We seem to, to really like it as well. So... Now, wrapped around all this was the COVID pandemic, and 
in my home state of New Jersey, there is Diamond Distributors. Diamond Distributors is the only physical distribution house for Marvel, DC, a bunch of other comics. And they shut down during the pandemic to protect their workers. That really hurt the comic industry. Well, DC, Warner Brothers, AT&T made the decision after that. Well, screw you guys. We're not using you anymore. It looks like they might be talking about potentially making the step to having everything distributed in-house, which in many ways would probably make a little bit of sense to them. Um, but I'm not 100% sure what that's going to mean moving forward. But no matter what, no matter what, bottom line is here, DC's output and their market share is going to contract. It's going to contract. That is the bottom line. I don't understand how you can see this any other way. DC's market share and their output is going to contract. Jim Lee said it himself. You're looking at 20 to 35% contraction. May not be a bad thing, but you're looking at people. More people will most likely get laid off. And it leads me to believe personally that AT&T might not necessarily know what they have when it comes to the comics division. I'm only going to mention two more things, Lupe, and then I'll bring it to you and Paul. A lot of times people, when I talk with them, they're like, well, comics don't matter. I think that's bunk. I really do. And one of the reasons I think it is is because it's been growing since 2012. It was an $800 million industry in 2012, and in 2019, it grew to a $1.3 billion industry just for comics. That, has, that says nothing about toys, merchandising, collectibles, all the other stuff that helps a local comic book shop continue. And that stuff also serves as the baseline for a lot of stories that we see in the movies, the animation, mm -hmm. the things that we love. We can fine with the director taking having their own take on it but the point is is a lot of times that stuff comes from a comic line first before mm -hmm. it becomes a movie so all these amazing comic book stories that we love that's what's happening we see it that's where it's coming from and this is not an industry that has been contracting it's actually been growing yes mm -hmm. you can make multiple billion dollar movies yes we know that and you're looking at one billion dollar you know industry i understand that but it supports so much else in addition to the writers pencilers creators all that kind of stuff that goes behind that goes on behind the scenes and that's why i personally have an issue the last two things that i will that i'll that you know when we're talking about dc direct and dc also had dc direct is their action figures t-shirts collectibles all that kind of stuff that's gonna that's on its way out too which I think that's going to wind up getting licensed now. They're probably going to license that stuff out, and they're going to let other people. The downside to that is you lose quality control when when that's out. Now, you know, it's probably better for them to just make a couple of bucks off licensing, but they're going to lose some of the quality control. DC Universe, by the way, guys, that getting shuttered, that's not a big surprise to me, and I don't think that should be a big surprise to anybody because was DC Universe that exciting, number one? And number two, with HBO Max, why the hell do you need DC Universe? So... You know, I, I think you can effectively move everything into the DC section of HBO Max. That's that's mm -hmm. AT&T strategy, right? AT&T strategy mm -hmm. is let's get HBO Max moving. So I guess for me, the bottom line is I'm I'm happy with some of the things that I see. I'm glad that it looks like we'll have a one-stop shop for streaming. So HBO Max will blow up, hopefully, and be someplace where we can see animation from DC. And maybe we'll get the Infinite Earths things from DC that we're going to talk about later in the pod. Wonderful. I'm worried about the contraction of the comic industry. And while I continue to hear from people, comics don't matter... I have figures in front of me that tell you that's not the truth, and mm. it supports other aspects of the economy, not just the graphic novels and the books that get written. And that's what concerns me, that are we going to lose some of that? And I think we are. And I have a feeling that AT&T doesn't necessarily know what to do with its comics division. They're going to look at everything as dollar signs because mm -hmm. they want everything to be HBO Max and movies. 
and movies. So yeah. maybe I'm wrong with that, guys. You can tell me if I'm if I'm taking it the wrong way. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm going off the deep end. Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate um, just to balance out the conversation because I think that there are other perspectives to mm-hmm. to uh, view this issue through. And this is this is one that we can do a really deep dive on. But I'm going to try to be brief. Yeah, and I'm so, sorry if I went long. I apologize. No, no, no. That was perfect. That you set the table perfectly. Um, for us to have a really robust discussion about this. So I've been a huge fan of Warner Brothers as a studio for a very long time. Just their um, ethos, the way they conduct business, the way they make movies. Warner Brothers is known as a director's studio. That's Great their studio. legacy. Yeah. And what does that mean? That means that uh, they subscribe to the old Hollywood world philosophy that you empower the director and his vision over everything else. So it's about art. It's about making these uh, avant-garde, prestige, high craftsmanship, high quality films. That's why you see people like Christopher Nolan who've who've loved working there, people like David Fincher, who've loved working there, people like Clint Eastwood, who've loved working there. You see a lot of movies that come out of Warner Brothers tend to be movies that um, aren't generic, so to speak. They don't necessarily align with what's quote-unquote popular or what's in high demand by the masses, but they tend to make these artistic movies that you know break boundaries and become hits regardless so they're they're always taking risks and always empowering directors and their directors studio and they love auteur directors okay so let's let's set the stage with that now they've operated under this uh sort of way of doing business for forever they're they're one of the last studios to to hold on to this ethos. But you have a company like Disney, who are very very modern, who are have taken advantage of uh, technology, social media, the way you market things in this day and age, and because of that, Disney has been able to basically dance circles around Warner Brothers when it comes to making popular content and making money. Disney doesn't care or qualify for prestige awards. So that's not really the arena to compare them. But when you talk about, you know, big blockbusters and that kind of thing, that that cash cow that gets the studio's money, Warner Brothers can be looked at like a dinosaur very slow to change, very slow to identify trends, very slow to take advantage of fast moving and developing and changing technology, et cetera, et cetera. Then comes in AT&T. And AT&T come from the world of technology. As a tech company, being Mm -hmm. agile, being very quick, being uh, perceptive of technological changes and even having foresight on technological changes 
has to be a core of who you are, has to be a core competency or else you wouldn't even exist. <laughs> so they are, what they're doing is they're infusing uh, this sort of new way of thinking into all of Warner Media. Warner Brothers is now called Warner Media. And what they're trying to do is, I think you're going to see a company that's going to better compete with a company like Disney. Uh, which I think it's about time. My hope and my belief is that all the artistic or terror um, attributes that Warner Brothers has will not die out. There's still going to be a company that you know houses directors like, for example, Zack Snyder, for example, um, David Fincher, who's on Netflix now, to be sincere, but Christopher Nolan, Clint Eastwood, is still there. Uh, Todd Phillips uh, has a great working relationship with them, etc., etc. So, going along with this, you know, long-winded answer, um, AT and T, what they're doing with the restructuring and layoffs has to do with HBO Max, and they've identified a truth, which is that the future of entertainment is direct to consumer uh the direct to consumer model and if you're slow to change if you do not get on board you are fighting a losing battle it's like the it's like you know kodak when they kept on holding on to photochemical film rather than you know throwing all their weight behind digital like blockbuster who kept on holding on to their physical stores rather than knowing that digital was the way to go so they're throwing everything behind behind that and um that's where all these changes are are that's where we're seeing a lot of these changes for example you talked about obviously like dc universe is smart thing to do so with dc comics in particular i don't think it's as much doom as and gloom as we think i think that an outside company has come in and, and has seen that there's a lot of fat on on the on the the organization and they've trimmed off what they need to trim off now we can't say the thing i think about warner brothers and where they were is as i said they were a company that was bloated was slow they were like this huge dinosaur that just couldn't react well and couldn't you know move well and then you have this company that's super agile and and super um advanced and um yeah i think that there's going to be growing pains but i think that a lot of the things they're doing so for example i hear that they're not going to be issuing single comics of some lines i think mm -hmm. and you're you're only going to be able to buy trade paperbacks yeah. in terms of like physical um and that points to <clears throat> The fact that they're seeing that digital comics is something that's that's growing and something that probably is more cost effective for them to to put money into. I'm a person who actually waits for for trade paperbacks. I actually don't buy single comics every week, and we have to remember that the number of people who buy these or are, it's a very very small number, and a business is not going to be nostalgic or emotional about the way things used to be and where things used to come from. Because if you are, that's how businesses like Kodak and businesses like Blockbuster end up 
being dinosaurs and their bones are 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 on display in the museum of failed businesses that once had it big. Yeah, so, and I think um, you, you know, you're raising a good point too, and I apologize for no, interrupting you. One of the points in there that I, I I absolutely agree with you on is, you know, you were talking about WB being bloated, and DC Comics has had, if you take a look at them over the last couple of decades, they have a famously high overhead. They are a bloated comic company. They they have always been a bloated comic company, and they got this big Burbank headquarters and everything like that. So like, a, a one comics line there. Their profit numbers would be okay for DC. No way, no way. They need higher profits. So, you know, if you're AT and T, you're watching your investment. You got to come in there and be like, okay, look, <laughs> you know, these these lines have to make a profit, or mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you got to chop it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, from a creative aspect, I, I I am concerned, and I I know what you're saying. You're saying it's probably not as doom and gloom, and you're probably right. By the way, you are probably right. But from a business perspective, absolutely, AT and T's got to come in here and be like, you guys are running out of control. So. Mm -hmm. You know, and look for the future. I, I interrupted you, so I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're no, you're fine. I just I, I hope the the thing is just I don't want to go too deep into like mm -hmm. DC Comics, but I have not been very happy with a lot of things that they've been doing recently. I get I it. Think, yeah. Like um like and I'm I'm a I'm an avid comic reader. I read a lot of image comics and indie comics these days, yeah. and then yeah. I wait to see if a trade paperback collection or a graphic novel kind of breaks through. But a lot of stuff that I see, they keep on spinning their wheels. For example, Superman is back to wearing his underwear on the outside of Batman. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I mean, it's fine. If you, you can do that. But to me, that's that just points to where they are. They're not able to yeah. move forward, not able to evolve. They just keep on spinning their wheels and being in the same. And a lot of the stories do that. I, I, I've, I've stopped you know, reading the comics regularly because... I'm seeing stuff that I've seen for years, the same messages, the same tropes, nothing new. So maybe it might be good for someone to shake things up. Um, I don't think that comics will ever die. Um, I, I'm happy, obviously, Jim Lee. Jim Lee is a great guy. Yeah. Obviously, people we get emotional when people lose their jobs. And I just hope that those people are able to land on their feet. For example, I'm sure Image Comics would be a great place for many of those people to, you know, band together and and make their own comics because they give people the opportunity to make money off their creations um which i i guess this double-edged sword because you're not as reliant on big names so you have to you know really roll up your sleeves and make something something that can break through but um i i think the thing to also point to and, and i've gone on for way too long is that <laughs> the reason why this has happened is because the launch of hbo max was not good let's we we can't we can't dance around the topic we can't try to be like oh hbo max is trying they had a terrible launch for many reasons and the overseer robert greenblatt was fired because of it basically and he is um he's actually the guy i think that spearheaded the acquisition of the snyder cut so that's something interesting to see although jason Kalar is is also a huge fan of the of the whole Snyder Cut um, mm -hmm. movement. So um, yeah, we'll see where HBO Max goes in the future. But it seems like Jason Kalar means business. Like he's come on and he's he was like, look, HBO Max didn't perform. The 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 quote um, uh, is that this is a transformation of making things better, 
not because we needed to adjust anything, but rather because we're aspiring to get even better than the HBO Max launch was, to get even better than Warner Media has traditionally performed. Yeah. Um, and that's coming from uh, um, one of their executives, uh, not Jason Kalar in particular, uh, John Stevens, uh, AT&T's chief financial officer. So anyway, um, yeah, I, this this bears uh, bears bears watching, especially for H- HBO Max. I think that's where everything basically revolves around HBO Max, um, <laughs> and that can be a scary thing. That can be a good thing, depending on how you look at it. As we see, even look at how theatrical windows have been shortened. Big movies are being put on Disney Plus and all that kind of stuff. Direct to consumer is the future. That's just that is the truth. However nostalgic you want to be about cinema, about comics and novels, and even in the future, I can see a situation where video games are going to be bundled with um, with your direct-to-consumer like streaming services, and you're going to actually have like video games on like HBO Max. I hundred percent can't see it. You heard yeah, it here first. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Paul, did we did anything we we discuss spark any um, anything? Any? Do you want to? Do you have anything to say? I mean, you guys covered it pretty thoroughly. You know, I, I don't have a, a ton to say. I mean, I think um, you know, you guys have covered that. This is sort of the the direction of the future. And you know, I, I had a brief sort of flirtation with comic collection again, and I'm just sort of on, or sorry, you know, again after like 25, 30 years away from it. I mean, I did most of my comic collecting back when I was. I don't know, like uh, around 10 years old, maybe like ages like eight through 13 probably would have been back when I collected comics. And it was after, after BBS, after watching the ultimate edition of BBS, I tried to get back into comics and I went into my local comic shop and thought, you know what? I want to support this. This is something I want to, I want to support because I really, I mean, Snyder's movies brought my love of these characters back after so many years. And I thought, you know, maybe this is something I can introduce my daughter to eventually. I'm, I feel like supporting a local business and you, you go to those comic shops and you look at the number of comics they have sitting on the shelves and I don't see that many people buying comics, individual issues and, and you wonder how they're surviving. And I thought, you know what, I'd like to support this. So I you know, I got I got my pull list together, I got Batman, I got Detective, I got however many versions of Justice League there were and did, collected a few Star Wars comics and you know, started you know bringing those in every week, and I couldn't keep up with them, the individual issues. But I liked I liked the idea. I mean, I, I it's a nostalgic thing for me to want to get that pristine individual issue, uh, first printing with a backboard in its you know plastic sleeve, and file it away in a box, and and hope that one day I'll get back around to reading it. And, you know, when I was a kid, I used to I used to remember coming home with my bag full of comics, and I couldn't wait to read them, and I'd sit there and I'd read them all the night I got them. And now I've got like three or four boxes of comics downstairs. I haven't. I don't think I've read, you know, more than like ten of them. I read my Darth Vader's and uh, and I read my Batman Damned, and that's it. I mean, I got I got a bunch of stuff like weeks worth of reading down there that I haven't got a chance to get into. Um, so I wasn't getting value for it, and eventually, um, you know, I got I got turned off by a lot of these comic creatives disparaging the Snyder movies. I mean, his mm. movies were what brought me back to comics, and the more we had to deal with these creatives crapping on his films uh, openly, it just it blew me away and it turned me off. And, and eventually I started keeping a list of 
creatives who I did not want to support. And eventually that list got so long that it just became such a pain in the ass that I just started canceling. I canceled everything except my Star Wars comics. Mm. And, uh, and I started thinking, well, I'll go do the trade paperback thing. And I have bought a few trade paperbacks. You know, I did Batman Hush and The Long Halloween and uh, Death of the Family and The Court of Owls. And, and some of them I like more than others. But I, I haven't – I mean if these are the best that it has to offer these days, I'm not super blown away by it. I mean I think the mm. thing I enjoyed the most was Batman Damned. But what I realized is that I really have kind of outgrown a lot of this material. And, mm. and to your point, I think I would look more towards the stories that you find in these uh, indie comics. I think that might mm. be more my, my speed now because when you think about what I've really enjoyed in comics – what really stuck with me, it's things like The Watchmen or The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the other stuff, I just I don't I don't get this uh, you know, this this intense wow factor that a lot of people seem to get from them. So you know, I've gradually gone to almost collecting nothing except for the black label ones, which I was still buying. And I haven't been into my local comic shop since everything shut down for COVID. I don't know what I've got sitting in my bag. I gotta go in there and, 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 and you know, pick it up. Uh, but I was down to really collecting only the black label stuff, like the the White Knight and the you know, as as I say, like the Batman Damned, and there's been a Superman one, and then there's the, the Wonder Woman uh, one that's out right now. And I haven't been able to keep up on any of that stuff either, as I say, except for Batman Damned. But um, you know, it's it's a it's a struggling industry, and the creatives aren't helping it. Um, you know, by being so um, you know just so so petulant online um and and you know in in their defense there are some really good ones like i've been impressed by dan jurgens i've been impressed by uh i've been really wowed by lee bermejo that was not yeah. someone i'd ever heard phil, of back phil when i used Jimenez. to collect Do you know who phil Jimenez is oh i can't stand no. yeah I, I can't stand <laughs> phil Jimenez. Uh, but the other guy, the other Jimenez, Jorge, Jorge Jimenez, he seems pretty good. So you got to be careful when you're when you're when you're not buying Jimenez comics. It's okay yeah. to buy the, the Jorge Jimenez. It's not okay to buy the Phil Jimenez. But yeah. no, Phil Jimenez, Gail Simone, Nicola Scott, the Jamal Igle guy. Yeah. I mean, these yeah. are people that Dan Slot, like people. And I don't even know how many of them work for DC. But eventually, this list got so long of these people I didn't want to purchase that I started saying, well, who do I like? Who do I know I can trust? And then you got the you know, Lieber Mayhew is a guy I absolutely love his stuff, uh, anything he draws. But, I mean, his his, his stuff is so, um, you know, it, it's it, it must take him a week to paint a single frame, you know. So I don't think he puts out a, a high volume of stuff. Um, you know, Azarello, I still like Grant Morrison. I still like uh, Dan Jurgens, as I said. I like Brett Booth. This is someone that's been a big supporter of the Snyder Cut yeah, Online and grown to appreciate him. Jim um, Lee, of course. Jim Lee, of course, oh, right. Uh, Jeff Johns, obviously. I'm going to have to tell my, call my comic book <laughs> shop, tell them not to put uh, three Jokers <laughs> in my bag, you know. But that's the kind of thing. Like, I, I'm in the position now where. I think I'm buying the entire run uh, of that along with all well, the Well, on, on the one hand, you got, covers. <laughs> well, you got. You got, you got Fabok, right? Uh, which, I mean, as far as I know, he's okay. But I'm not convinced. I, I'm a little. I, some of these guys that don't say anything, I don't trust them either, just because we've been so burned by so many of these guys. Um, but I have nothing specifically to, to indicate that Faybox anti Snyder, other than the fact that he's working with Johns, and a lot of these guys have. I mean, Jim Lee included. So, um, you know. But even the fact that that's a conscious piece of your buying decision, the fact that en- that enters your mind, like, oh, hold on, I better check who's involved in this issue. It's just it spoiled me on the industry. So I think it really is at the point where, where there's a few names, but there's names I know I like, and they're doing a run. Maybe I'll wait and, and pick up a trade paperback if I hear it's good, but I can see why that industry's dying, right? I can see why it's struggling, and really what I love now is that more adult, mature um, adaptation that's grown with me. Like, I'm not a 10-year-old anymore, and even even though the comics have, you know, I'm not saying all these comics are for 10-year-olds. Some of them have aged up. A lot of them are more 
I would describe them as late teen content, mid to late mid teen to late teen content. A lot of the DC stuff, probably more mid teen content. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like it's aged with me, right? Whereas the movies, at least what Snyder was trying to do, absolutely felt like it aged with me. The Watchmen absolutely felt like it was for my age back when I read it. You know, I read it right when Watchmen came out in 2009, uh, the film, I mean. Uh, I read the read the comics right before the film came out, and that, that felt like it was age-appropriate. But I find that a lot of the material just wasn't, and that's where I was optimistic about Black Label, but it sounds like Black Label's cooked now. Is that is that right? Is that, uh, is that what you Not guys are hearing as well? Black Label is still going. But is it? yeah, I mean, as far as I know, they're not canceling it. But the person who started it, or one of the guys that started, he's gone. Mm. So I don't know what that means moving forward for them. I, I don't. I would only count. I don't want to. We have a lot more to talk about, so I don't want to keep this going. But I don't. Like I said, I doubt. I, I actually do disagree that it's dying because the industry is not dying. I don't believe it is, um, and the numbers don't necessarily pan I, that out. I think I, if you I would say the comic it goes was. Well, you know, some the of the local com- comic book store is dying. Like they've consolidated. I, mean, I see, I see people lounging in our big box bookstores reading graphic novels for free. That's that's where I see the most traffic. Um, I, I they, they've my local comic shop is doing great. I mean, COVID hurt him because he had to close because he couldn't get the physical traffic coming into his store. So he moved everything online. And now that he's opened his doors back again, I asked him the other day. He said, I'm doing fine. He said, I kept the doors open now with everything. Now that we're back and you can come in and have a bunch of people in there wearing a mask and distance a little bit. He said, I'm doing okay. And I got my orders every week. He said, I'm doing good. He's happy. He's actually doing okay. Now, I just think there was a consolidation that happened, which, of course, goes back to the conversation you know, we had at the beginning, the question I would ask for you guys, and you guys might fucking hate me for, for asking this, but like, I wonder how many people did what Paul did. Cause most people I spoke with could have given a shit. If somebody insulted Snyder, they didn't, if they want if they want to read a comic line, they're reading a comic line If they want to read a fall. If they follow a creator, they're following that creator. Um, so I do wonder what that number was and it, did they burn I mean, themselves? I, mean, but, I don't know. I, I don't I mean, know. But, I mean, but that goes into our entire conversation about, you can say that the number of people who wouldn't read some comic lines or, you know, who are turned off by comics because of the attitude of creators um, is very small. But at the same time, the number of people who read comics is very small. Yeah, I think it's there's all more relative, right? I think there's it's more all relative. Yeah, it's all because, relative. Because the local so, guy that I that I talked to, he absolutely said he's got a chunk of people that come in because they speculate. They speculate. I'm not saying that nobody reads comics. I never said that. I said rel- it, relatively like you have a valid point in saying that the number of people who will be turned up from some comic lines because of the the attitude of creators is very small. You're, that's a valid point. But at the same point, somebody who makes the point that the comic book readership is relatively small Valid points as well. Yeah, it's valid. It's all, it's all relative, right? It's yeah. all relative. Yeah, there's more people that are going to go out and watch a movie than read a comic. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, um, we are we are we are deeply emotional and 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 a little bit, um, you know, we feel for people losing their jobs and their livelihood. We feel for industries who are going through a difficult time. Um, our hopes and our dreams are with them to you know, get gainful employment very soon, return back to a place of happiness and, and doing what they love and being paid well for it. Um, and the fallout of this remains to be seen as we will always continue to, you know, drum into you guys' ears <laughs> is if you want to know what's going on with Warner Media, 
take a look at HBO Max. That's the that's the the, the fountainhead from which every decision <laughs> flows. Um, so hopefully they 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 get it right. They get it right. But what what I I'm a bit happy about is that I know they're in it for the long haul and they're going to do whatever it takes to make it successful. And I think that it's only going to benefit us as consumers because it means that we're going to get a diverse slate of content and um and it's it's yeah it's it's going to be good for us because for example without the focus on the on hbo max we probably won't have gotten the snyder cut we definitely wouldn't have got the snyder cut in this sort of beefy bulked up hit the gym steroided up version that we're going to get. It surpassed our wildest expectations when this started. absolutely did. I, 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 wanted, I wanted Ray Fisher in his pajamas on green screen as a special feature <laughs> on my Justice League Blu-ray. That's, that's all I wanted. That's we all. 70% done that. VFX. That's all I was asking for. Yep. So. yep I'm getting more. All right. So yeah. going from um, that bit of uh, that, that difficult topic to talk about, let's go on to the main event, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts because Kansas is about to go bye-bye. We have your DC fandom primer. We're going to get you suited and booted and ready to take on the 24-hour, one-of-a-kind, global virtual fan fest that's called DC Fandom. We're going to tell you about the intricate details that you might have missed for the big splashy headlines, and we'll let you know how we set our personal schedules for the events. We'll, we're going to let you know what to expect, also what not to expect. All around, this is the hype train. Get on board. What promises to be a blast of a time. So before we get into it, um, there's a bit of information that people need to know. When DC Fandom was conceived, it was set up as a one-time only 24-hour event. And it was going to be on the 22nd of August slash the 23rd, depending on where you are on the globe. However, after they uh, launched the online site and people started making their schedules, they started to take a look at the feedback, see how, you know, each and every one of us was moving out in these streets. And they saw that everybody was just going to be at the Hall of Heroes, okay? So the event is 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 uh, structured as a universe with connecting worlds. And in each world, something unique is happening. So you have the central hub, which is the Hall of Heroes, which is, has, like, the main, like, big ticket items. You have your big movies, splashy reveals, that kind of thing. Then you got Watchverse, you got Uverse, Kidsverse, Insiderverse, and Funverse. All those are more niche. They have like panels and with like artists, stuff on history of characters, stuff that's tailored for kids, stuff that has to do with like signings, stuff that has to do with like buying merch, and so on and so forth. But as you can see from what I've said, the main, main, main event will be the Hall of Heroes. And so they noticed that people would just sign up for the Hall of Heroes and we're kind of leaving the other verses of the fandom kind of lonely and without participants. So they decided to split the event into two parts. 
You're going to have two events, two separate days, and they're going to be two weekends apart. So the first will be the Hall of Heroes, and that's going to be on the 22nd of uh, August slash 23rd, the same date as was uh, as as when it was set up. Then the other one is going to be two weekends after that, uh, two or three, which will be uh, the weekend of September the 12th. And in that one, you'll be able to explore the Watchverse, the U-verse, Kidsverse, Insiderverse, Phoneverse, and this one is more focused on the multiverse concept of the DC universe. So let's get into a primer discussion. Uh, let's get into a preview of DC Fandom. And the first thing I'd like to know from you guys is what are you looking forward to most of all? Let us know a little bit about your schedule that you have set up on dcfandom.com. And let's start with Paul. Give us the highlights. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, obviously, the, the big draw is the, the Snyder Cut trailer, the, the two-minute uh, Snyder Cut, two-minute-plus Snyder Cut trailer that Grace Randolph has said she's seen and that we're going to be getting. Um, you know, and we got a, what, a 24-second teaser today. Uh, which just whets the appetite. So I, I really can't wait to see that uh, that Snyder Cut trailer and then the you know the accompanying panel. So that's that for me is the the one can't miss highlight of this thing. But as I go through my schedule, I mean I'm like most people. I I'm I'm in here for probably about two thirds of the Hall of Heroes uh, on on day one. Um, so I mean the Wonder Woman 84 panel. We got the trailer coming. Of course I want to see that. I mean I want to check that out. It's not necessarily my I'm not necessarily super optimistic about Wonder Woman 84, but I want to see it. Um, the Wonder Warner Brothers game in Montreal, uh, Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement. Yeah, for sure, I'll watch that. I mean, that's uh, these games are, are stunningly realistic looking now. Um, you know, bringing you into the world of Batman. We've been getting teases all week, so can't wait to see that one. Sandman Universe. Um, I'm signed up for that one. I just finished the Sandman audiobook. Really enjoyed it. It's more of an audio play than an audiobook. Uh, really entertaining, easy to listen to. Um, if you've never tried an audiobook, I'd say, you know, give give this one a try. If you've tried audiobooks and don't find they're for you necessarily, as I say, this is more of an audio play, and I, I thought it was really easy to listen to. Um, Multiverse 101 panel, sure, I'll check that out. Hopefully that'll give us some guidance as to where they're going with the future of, uh, of DC, not only in comics, but in, uh, you know, on the various screens. Uh, introducing the Flash, well, my excitement level just spiked for the Flash today. Uh, so we'll talk about that more later, but absolutely, absolutely going to watch that one now. Suicide Squad panel, I'm not super enthused, but I'm still going to check it out. I assume we're going to get some footage in a trailer there. Surprise DC Comics panel, I mean, God, you, you hope for the best with these surprises. And they had a to-be-announced panel that got removed and replaced with a Titans TV panel, which broke my heart because that's the one where you're hoping for air cut or Batfleck announcement. Uh, but this surprise DC Comics panel, I'm guessing that that's comics-related, not... TV related um, or movie related, I should say, which would be most appealing. But I'll check it out. Uh, then we, of course, got our Snyder Cut panel that I mentioned. Black Adam, I'm I'm excited to hear what they're going to do with that. I think Black Adam could be really good or really bad, depending on whether or not they go for you know lean into mythology, dark and serious, or whether they go for slapstick, uh, uh, you know, comedy like Shazam. Um, and then the Shazam panel, I just want to hear Zachary Levy apologize. Uh, apparently he's going <laughs> to talk about Zach's cut, so I'm 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 there to see what he says. And then Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. Hey, that sounds interesting. That video game. I mean, as you guys know, I just stocked up on the <laughs> the three Batman games for the PS3. I've yet to play them, but uh, they're in my library, ready to go. So I got some catching up to do. But uh, if these games have evolved from uh, from PS3 to PS4 to PS5, 
Um, I can only imagine how good this is going to look. So I'm curious to see where they go with this. And then the Batman panel. I know some of our fandom is is um, divided on on how they feel about the Matt Reeves Batman, but I think this one looks dark, grounded, serious. It potentially is going to be R-rated. I want to see where he's going with this. So uh, so bring it on. I'm looking forward to the Batman panel. And that's you can tell they've kind of bookmarked um, or uh, not bookmarked, but uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> the uh, they've sort of started and and finished with what they consider to be their heavy hitters, Wonder Woman '84 and the Batman, and then they've given you the Snyder cut kind of in the middle. And then, you know, you got a nice run from Snyder Cut right through to Batman at the end. So it's going to be a pretty full day. Um, without getting into the details of the other stuff, I was actually excited about doing the other stuff in some of the gaps uh, with my daughter. Like, in particular, I, I'd gone through and I'd bookmarked some of the stuff from the kids' verse for her. They had stuff on, on how to draw. They had stuff on the amusement park rides around the world. Uh, there was some stuff I was interested in, like the music and things like that, which, you know, I won't get into too much detail right now. But... Um, you know, there, there was some really. I thought there was enough interesting stuff to keep us quite busy in between the most exciting elements of these panels during that eight hours. And I'd kind of slotted a day for us to do this together. Her and her laptop, me and my computer. We'd watch the trailers together. She'd do the activities. Maybe we'd do some stuff together. Um, obviously, that part's been moved out now. So it's an interesting decision. Um, I'm not sure it's for the best because if everyone was signing up for Hall of Heroes, um, you know, which is the most interesting part, um, but I was still going to check some of this other stuff out in between. Are people going to be as prone to go back on September 12th just for the other stuff when you don't have all the exciting stuff that's in Hall of Heroes? Mm. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. See, I, I almost wonder whether it's more technology-based. Like maybe they weren't as ready as they needed to be and uh, mm -hmm. you know, it just didn't get through the project management process, get it Personally, developed and tested. You know? Just to answer, to answer what you, you asked before you, you know, go on to yeah. another point, um, I think that if they had their way, they probably would have moved um, the main events, which is what people usually do in things like these, right? You go with the starter pack, you know, and then the main, you save the best for last. But I think that if they had moved um, Hall of Heroes to two weeks after, it would have made people disappointed. It would have, there, there would have been a backlash. There would have yes. been a backlash. Yeah, I don't think, once, once they committed to it, they couldn't move Hall of Heroes three days beforehand. Exactly. Um, not, so, even three so the, days, not even just three days beforehand, just in terms of the excitement level, the anticipation, the wait in. Like the reason why they they split it was because they've seen the demand for one vastly outweighs the other. That means that the demand for one is, is high. And as we've seen with stuff that we've been following, for example, like The Last of Us 2, um, you got to be careful. Like once expectations are set, if you start to move things around, people start to get resentment starts to build. It's just a thing that customers have when they have an expectation and it's not met, people get resentful. So maybe next year you may get the satellite versus first and then get the Hall of Heroes as, you know, the the main event best for last. But for this year, I think that this was actually like the smart decision uh, to make. And I, I think it will still be successful because I think um, I think there's just going to be a feel-good feeling, and I think it's going to linger, and people are going to return to the fandom just to check out some stuff. Even if they don't stay for long, people are still going to check out some stuff because I think that, I think that the feel-good feeling from the 22nd is just it's going to be just too much. Well, well, you know, to your point, Lupe, um, I think that uh, you know I would have been more prone to stay if 
they kept it on the same weekend, but maybe extended your the availability of the other one or split it up mm-hmm. so that you have some Hall of Heroes towards the end of the day on Saturday and the end of the day of Sunday, but beforehand you can still go explore the other things while you're waiting or explore in between. The, mm-hmm. the question for me is am I going to come back and make a separate trip? And I might, but I definitely would have been here, and especially when I had time to kill in between like panels that I was most interested in because, I mean, let's be honest. I, I'm most interested in the trailers, the footage, the trailers – the really sort of meaty news. I'm not necessarily that into hearing James Gunn talk about Suicide Squad or introduce his whole cast or or watch the cast of Wonder Woman 84 play Werewolf 84, whatever that is. You know, like, I, I don't care about that. I care about the trailers. Give me the footage. Give me the news that I'm most interested in. And in between, you know, I would have been happy to go check out some of the other stuff while I was killing time, right? Will I come back and make this a separate trip? That's, that's the question. So I think there might be better ways to break it up next year. And why not use the entirety of the weekend. Why not start it Saturday at 10 a.m. and finish it Sunday at 8 p.m.? I mean, why does it have to be one-to-one, right? You can stretch it out. You can put a bit at the end of Saturday, a bit at the, your big headliners, half a day Saturday, half a day Sunday, and give people time to browse in between. I don't know. They'll work it out, though. I'm sure they'll learn from this year. And, uh, I mean, I think there's enough positive hype about this, and I think it's still going to be successful enough that this won't be the uh, this won't be a one-time thing. I think mm-hmm. this is going to be... Uh, something that succeeds and uh, and probably grows and gets better each year. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, Christian, tell us about your schedule for DC Fandom. What do we have in store for us? What do you think is hot in these streets? There, I'm agree with you guys, by the way, um, before we talk about the schedule, that, yeah, this is a first run. And, eh, you know, I, I don't know ex- exactly how it's going to work out having the second date, but you know, they're probably going to learn a couple things and this is a whole new direct to consumer thing that, that they're trying. And man, this is a shot across the bow to comic con. It's a huge shot across the bow um, to them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day, I suppose. <laughs> but um, no, so, no, no, it's, this is the right place to have the conversation, but go ahead. Uh, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I just think that, you know, hey, this is the first time they're doing it, so they're going to learn a couple things from this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you guys did just talk about maybe it was the wrong move to move – or maybe it was the right move to move stuff over to the separate date in September because most of the stuff I'm interested in is definitely in the Hall of Heroes. But there are some creative panels that are going to be in the Insiderverse that they have talked about that I also am interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some graphics panels as well as mm-hmm. some art panels that they're going to be – so. If they had interspersed that throughout two days, maybe three days, I think from my own personal perspective, I would have been into that. But, you know, Saturday is going to be a crazy day for me. I know that. So, all you know, the majority of stuff that I want is definitely Hall of Heroes. And I am going to probably be watching the Encores through Sunday because I just know Saturday is going to be crazy. So they'll figure this out. They're definitely going to figure this out. But they're on to something here. I really do believe that they're onto something here, especially as as we start talking about direct to consumer is probably where they need to go. Um, there, on my schedule, there are there are two comic panels that I'm I'm really interested in. Number one is I think it's at 4 p.m. is Legacy of the Bat, and mm-hmm. that one is really cool for me. That's going to outline how Batman's constantly, the franchise is constantly expanding and they haven't announced any panelists yet, but what they said is quote unquote key talent from Batman comics, along with representatives from Batman games, animation, TV, and they just said they're going to try to make it both enjoyable and informative at the same time. So from a comic perspective, Legacy of the Bat is a biggie. That one I really want to see. And at 445, Paul said it already, the surprise DC panel. And Surprise reveals are a big part 
of Comic-Con and all the other stuff that they do. And it looks like what they're trying to do is kind of chart the future for some of DC's heroes and villains here. So the surprise panel, that's a biggie. So just from a comic mm-hmm. perspective, those two are absolutely on my schedule. And if I miss them, they're on the encore. <laughs> so they are there. Um, I know the Snyder Cut community is kind of divided when it comes to Wonder Woman 84. Whatever, cancel me if you want. I'm really pumped about that movie. I really want to see it, and I want to see it with my sister because she's such a huge Wonder Woman fan, and it's just a cool part of the experience. So hopefully we can get to it with COVID. So the 84 panel is absolutely one that I'm looking forward to. Um, Batman, Beyond Batman, that's a big one that I'm also looking forward to as well. I have Joker put on a happy face. (laughs) I have that one uh, on my schedule. I think that's going to be a cool one. I'm really psyched for, guys, the voices behind the cowl panel mm. for batman mm-hmm. if the one that's at 510 i really am psyched up for that one as well i think that should be a good one so i i got that one on my panel i do have the snyder cut uh one i just being honest with you it's not the top of my list but i do have it on there because i absolutely want to see the trailer and i want to hear what they have to say in that panel and to round it out i have black adam i have aquaman the ass carly quinn, <laughs> the ass carly quinn panel mm-hmm. is on there because i think that's going to be humorous i am absolutely Looking forward to two panels to round it out. The Suicide Squad killed the Justice League game. And yeah, I'm with Paul. I have been very intrigued by the Batman. And I've agreed with Lupe's arguments that part of the Batman looks like it's taking a step backwards. And I've agreed with other people that think it looks like it's something intriguing because it's mm-hmm. going back to the detective of Batman. So I want to see a little bit more of this. We saw a little bit of the, you know, the Jim Lee poster that was created mm-hmm. and everything. So we can talk about that more. It's just I think it's just because I want to see more. Give me more. Mm-hmm. I I still have reserved judgment on this thing and maybe we'll find something that's going to completely blow me away here or maybe I'm going to be turned around in the other direction. But for me those are the biggies. Those are the ones that I have on my schedule and I think I'm probably going to wind up watching some of them on Saturday night in the encores or Sunday for the encores. So mm-hmm. those are the ones that I got. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, for me my schedule is very light. And then on the day, I'm just going to intuit and flow between um, panels and and see what tickles my fancy. Mm -hmm. But the things that I cannot miss and I advise people to really like these are like the staples are um, the Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement, which is already leaked. It's going to be Court of Owls. And I think it's going to be Gotham Knights, so Batman and Nightwing um, against the Court of Owls. Um, then, obviously, the Snyder Cut of Just League panel. I think that this is the – it's uh, this is – to me, this is like the pinnacle of DC fandom. <laughs> For me, um, I think it's just going to be an explosive uh, panel. I think it's – Everybody's going to pay attention to this one. Haters and lovers. <laughs> Everybody's going to want to hear from Zack Snyder. It's his triumphant return. Um, so we'll, we'll talk more about those. Um, the Black Adam panel. Um, definitely one that you guys should tune into. Whether you liked Shazam or no. I personally thought Shazam was low quality. Um, even the director himself has said something to the effect of, you know, he wishes he could have done better with like action scenes and you know for a sequel he's looking forward to you know stepping his game up i wish him luck on that but um the rock is someone i've been very excited about uh about being in, in the dceu um so it's going to be interesting to see whether um as as paul said 
I'm with Paul 100%. Whether this has that epic, gritty, hard feel that the image of the rock, you know, sort of presents, right? Or whether it's more in line with Shazam, which would be mm-hmm. a disappointment for me. Might not be for other people, but um, we don't know enough about this to not be curious, right? So yeah. the curiosity yeah, uh, factor. Until we hear otherwise, I, I want to know what's going on here. <laughs> Absolutely. The curiosity factor is on 10. Uh, then Suicide Squad Kills, the Justice League. Um, I, I really want to see this one for the simple reason that I am tired. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired of <laughs> Batman games. So <laughs> if you if you just give me any crusty, day-old morsels of anything else, although you can make the argument that Suicide Squad are from the Batman universe, blah, 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 woomp, woomp. However, still, it's not a Batman game. So I'm very curious to see how, how, how this goes. And obviously, they have the... The big guy on the poster with the Suicide Squad uh, target um, symbol, like that, that looks very intriguing. And Warner Brothers with their their um, A one titles, their A plus titles, they've done a good job. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this live up to the legacy of it. Then the Batman panel, I'm very very curious about this. As as we said and we've discussed a lot. There's such a juxtaposition with what we've seen and what we know of the creators. Visually, it looks like they're taking steps back. But in terms of story, uh, Matt Reeves is someone that I have complete faith in. I absolutely love his his Apes movies. Absolutely adore him. I think that they are modern classics, damn near masterpieces. Um, and every time he talks about his filmmaking process, his writing process... It's always elevated, eloquent, always insightful, always deep. Um, he's definitely no Jeff Johns, if you know what I mean. Um, so those Ooh. are the panels that um, that I feel are must-sees. Everything else, you can make an argument for whether you want to see if you're a fan or not, but I, I feel that these ones are the ones that you have to, to mark on your calendars and then... Um, Whatever else comes uh, will be icing on the cake. So, guys, let's talk about um, some dark horse or under-the-radar kind of panels that you want to point our audience to. Let's start with Paul. Is there something that's deep in the weeds that you think people haven't, um, might not have paid attention to that, that you want to make a case for? Are, are we talking Hall of Heroes only? Or are we talking deep in some of this other stuff? This is just just for what's happening. So the the focus of this discussion is just on what's happening on the twenty second. Um, yeah, the I I don't think there's anything that interests me that I think other people won't notice. The only thing that maybe would fall into that category maybe there's two things: the to be announced one that got removed. I was pretty mm-hmm. excited about, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the Sandman Universe one, which I already talked about. Um, you know, and I don't think there's much more for me to say on that. So I guess I kind of jumped the gun a little bit with my uh, with my elaborating on that. But um, I think that's maybe the one that might fly under the radar if uh, if you are into those kind of comics and um, you're at all interested in the audio uh, the audio play that they've put out in Audible. Um, I think that's an interesting one. But otherwise, um, you know, for me the the ones I'm interested in are obvious, and these other sort of niche ones are probably not my thing. Okay. 
All right. And Christian, is there anything that you think is an Easter egg, a dark horse, a Trojan horse, maybe? Uh, I don't know if it's dark horse, but Easter egg might be might be it. I would keep an eye on three panels. You already mentioned the Games Montreal, the Warner Brothers Games Montreal announcement. Mm-hmm. Keep mm-hmm. an eye on that um, because if you're a gamer, I think they're going to they're going to make an announcement there that you're going to, like you just said, come on with the Batman. Holy shit. Uh, I think they're going to give us something else. And you want to keep an eye on that. There are two that we should watch. And I think number one, Paul mentioned the multiverse one-on-one panel. And you know what? With everything that's happening right now, with DCU doing its own thing, with the Snyderverse doing its own thing, with the CW doing its own thing, I would keep an eye on that. I would absolutely watch that panel. And the other one that you want to watch comes, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to talk too much about it because I know we're going to discuss it in a minute. But with the news that got released with Ben Affleck, watch the Flash panel. Mm-hmm. Watch that panel because Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, where are we going? Are we doing Flashpoint? What's happening? So I really think that those two panels, especially if you're into the movies and you're into the HBO Max and the Snyderverse, I think you got to keep an eye on those two panels because there might be something going on there that they're, even if they don't announce something, they're going to give you an idea of a direction that might be a bit of an Easter egg and, and might get you excited for the future. Absolutely. I think those are really good tips. Um, I, I, you, you, you stole the multiverse from Sorry. me. That was the one, yeah, that was the one I was <laughs> really like. And, and, and Paul, Paul, so you're, you're hearing both of us speak on it. Um, the, the little blurb that they put out for it is get schooled in this engaging refresher course mm-hmm. on the creation of the multiverse with DC chief creative officer slash publisher, Jim Lee, Warner brothers pictures, president of DC based film production, Walter Hermada and Berlanti productions, founder slash DC TV mega producer, Greg Berlanti. It's a 30 minute panel. So yeah, um, I think That's that this one. is, this is very, very important for everything that we've been prognosticating about speculating about, um all all our theorizing and and all that kind of stuff talking about the future of where these are going um this might be the panel that puts a complete and absolute stop <laughs> to Christian saying they're throwing shit against the wall <laughs> or it could be a beautiful mess and you could be like they're throwing even more shit against the wall and seeing what sticks so I think it's well, very intriguing I think that um I, I am I'm not too hot on Walter Hermada and Greg Berlanti as storytellers, mm-hmm. but if Jim Lee is involved, then you definitely got my ear. Now I don't want to sound like one of those people who used to talk about Jeff Jones, like, oh if Jeff Jones is involved, but um Jim Lee is someone whose aesthetic and whose um ideas I have liked. So at least I'm interested and it'll be interesting to see where they go. Also Obviously, we want to know where does the Snyderverse lie in this um, with the news that we heard about Flash and Batman, which we'll discuss later. You know, yeah. what's what's all I think we're going to get a lot more clarity on here because I want to know how is the multiverse segmented? Is, is it segmented across their different um, silos slash studios? So is there going to be a verse on on HBO Max and another world? in studios and then another world in video games or is everything just you know interweaving in and out in terms of where we can see the stories for example greg berlanti is prepping a green lantern movie but will that be does that have to be connected to everything else that's on hbo max or does it you know or um 
is it possible that on HBO Max we can have different DC Universe movies? So these are all things that will need a little bit of clarity. Um, and uh, good luck to them breaking down quantum physics and multiverse theory to us. But we are all ears for it. Also, one that I think is quite intriguing and interesting, and I probably should add it to my calendar, but I'm on the lookout for it, is the CNN panel about today's heroes in the age of coronavirus. And yeah. Uh, yeah. CNN is a property of Warner Media, so it's interesting to see this sort of cross-pollination, this sort of crossover. Um, and I'm just curious to see how this is executed. If the fact that they have these different um, platforms under this conglomerate, if this makes each of them better, right? Or if it just turns out to be some sort of silly forced mess. I'm really, I'm really curious um, to check it out um, and see what they do. It just, it sounds intriguing because you look at the lineup and it's all your typical comic book stuff, right? And then you see CNN heroes, what? So that's one that I think, uh, as Paul talked about, you know, like downtime, this could be one that might be interesting for, for people to check out. I'm sure people who are a bit younger minded probably don't watch news, are not too interested in documentary type stuff, might not find this intriguing. But for anyone who, um, you know, enjoys a little bit of real world um, news, commentary, analysis, um, this might be something that might break up the uh, monotony and the deluge and the barrage and the complete bombardment of our brain cells by this uh, DC Comics goodness. This might be something that breaks that up a little bit. I'm very interested to see um, how 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 it goes, and it's going to be hosted by Anderson Cooper. So this is this is just funny. Anderson Cooper doing DC Comics stuff like. Like I, I wonder who brought the idea to his table. He must have been like, "Oh my god!" It's a really <laughs> interesting cross pollination, and I know people get themselves all political, like Fox News versus CNN. And <laughs> stop it! We can cut that shit out. CNN is mm-hmm. a legit news organization. Anderson Cooper is a damn good journalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that yeah. simple. And this, I think, is you know we are talking about heroes, and we're talking about Superman and Batman and the Holy Trinity and everything like that. But if people tune into something like this, you know, we've all seen it in any country that we live in and anybody who's listening to us right now, there are true heroes out there that are on the front lines fighting COVID every single day, putting their lives on the line to make sure that people recover from this fucking disease. And it would, it's a really interesting thing that they decided to put that in there. And I'm with you. I hope it's not something that's throwaway. Like this is something that's really legit. And they do a good job with it, and they highlight these people, and it's not corny. Don't mm-hmm. make it corny. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to take a break here in, in you know, talking about Superman, and we really want to highlight people that are true heroes. Don't make it corny, please. That's all yeah. I ask. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you, 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 you said it best. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think us as comic book fans, and sometimes we get lost in these – Fictional worlds of storytelling, which are amazing, but we should not forget that they're metaphors and myths for real life. So you always have to remember about actual heroes in real life. And we have to 
you know, pay attention to that um, mm-hmm. and just not let escapism take us away from, yeah. from the realities of, of, of the world. And, you know, um, comic book, you know, fans and fans of, of genre content tend to be some of the most passionate about <laughs> about um, about good causes. Right. When, yeah. when they're able to tap into it. So we are passionate. Um, I hope that this can inspire people. And I hope that it can, you know, it can broaden our horizons and sort of, you know, really do a good job of tying these fictional, mythological, metaphoric worlds Mm -hmm. to the real life issues that they're really talking about underneath it all. Yeah. 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 All right. So next topic that I want to know, that was the positive side. And I'm sure that... uh, Superhero Mr. Positivity was all about that. Now, let's see your dark side, okay? I want to hear a criticism of... It could be the entire event, or it could be a panel, or it could be a panel that you wish you could see that you're not getting. And I know that Paul has talked a little bit about you know splitting it up and that structure. Um, I'm hoping that you can find something else to talk about, or if not, uh, you could, you know... Hone in on that a little bit more. So, yeah, Paul, I, what do I you got think? one one thing I can, and I touched on that earlier too. But it's aside from the Snyder Cut, um, I think I was most excited about the surprises, as Christian pointed out. Some of these, with some of these cons, the most exciting thing is what you don't know is coming. And mm-hmm. that to be announced panel had all the possibilities. It had mm. released the air cut. It had uh, Ben Affleck's potential series or film on HBO Max. It had whatever whatever it is that your heart wanted. I mean, it feels like the world of possibility is open now. And and that to be announced panel held that glimmer of hope. And uh and they took that one away. So that kind of squashed that little glimmer of hope. Now mm-hmm. the announcement that Affleck's gonna be back in the Flash movie, even if it's just for a small role, uh opens that door and it's a, still a pretty big announcement. So it cushions that blow. But I would have, I mean, I would have loved to have held out hope that maybe they were going to announce the air cut, um, you know, or, um, you know, just, just something, something totally unexpected, right? Something out of left field. I mean, I'm not super excited about uh, Ava DuVernay's New Gods, but I mean, that was a possibility. Or maybe some movie we hadn't considered. Maybe they were going to announce something to do with Cyborg on HBO Max or in theatrically. Like whatever, it was that uncertainty that excited me. So taking away that surprise movie panel and i think as i say i think the other one the surprise dc comics panel i think that's comics related i don't think that's movie related i would have liked a surprise movie related panel and i was excited about that one and i was disappointed to see it taken away so that's that's my big disappointment aside from the fact that i thought i had a nice structure set up which involved focusing on hall of heroes when i wanted to and checking out the other stuff in between but hey not uh, not the end of the world all right christian uh, what about you? Any issues you'd like to raise? I'm very I'm similar to Paul in this one. I think the split with the Hall of Heroes and then you have the other verses kind of getting split off to what is it? September 12th, is it? Is getting split mm-hmm. off to. Um, you know, again, I wasn't going to be glued to my computer all day anyway, just because I have other stuff to do. Um, but I'm still going to be catching, you know, the, the when you have the what's it called? I'm sorry, the encores, and I'm going to be watching some on Sunday. So I'm going to catch it, but mm-hmm. being able to explore the rest of this interesting virtual multiverse that they were creating, the kids' verse probably wasn't for me, but I do have nieces and nephews, and I, you know, I, I maybe I could have gotten an idea for a gift or something like that, whatever it might be. So I think the inability to be able to really truly explore that and get 
the Comic-Con experience emulated into just a DC Comics experience, online, virtual, in this strange time of COVID, uh, is a missed opportunity, I think, to me. It is. Um, yes, you are getting people to focus on the meat, which is some big shit that's coming out in Hall of Heroes, but I think it is a missed opportunity there to really get people to get all excited about that and then have them branch off into the other areas of DC, which they could still get excited about. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that's a downer, and I agree with Paul. I think the the yes, the, for me, the surprise re uh, panel is most likely going to be comics related, and I am personally going to be happy about that. But there are a ton of people out there that probably don't give two flying craps. So mm -hmm. having a surprise movie panel might have been really cool to, to talk about whatever. I don't care what it, what, what it might have been. So could be a missed opportunity in there. There's definitely nothing in here that I'm outright against. Um, you know, even if I don't watch it, it just means I'm not personally interested in it. So I'm not against it. You, you mm -hmm. know, there's panels in Comic-Con I don't care about. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah, I, for me though, I just, I think that's more a growing pains issue as mm -hmm. they start to feel this out and realize what maybe they need to do for next year. I think that that's, you know, they're just logistically figuring this stuff out. So those would be my two negative takeaways from it. Nothing that kills the the whole event for me, but eh, just, you know, makes it, it just, you know, it's something that they probably could have improved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, for me, in keeping with the spirit of the exiles, um, <laughs> I am opposed to. Cancel you. To, yeah. yeah <laughs> can't cancel me. Already been canceled. Already been exiled. <laughs> Um, I, I am very opposed to the Suicide Squad and mildly opposed to Wonder Woman. And for two reasons, which have to do with sort of a... It, it's not even a moral conflict. It shouldn't be. Because Suicide Squad represents to me exactly what happened with Zack Snyder's Justice League in terms of um, bringing on a Marvel director and um, not giving uh, the DC director who was there the chance to make the film that he wanted. It's, it's, it's almost beat for beat the same terrible story. Um, but obviously people are going to be excited about it because that's why they brought him in there because he's got fans for Marvel. So they're going to overlook whatever sort of shady stuff is going on i mean i just don't agree with it it doesn't agree with my soul on so many levels artistically because it's like it's a copy and paste job like it's some of the most blatant pandering that you could ever do to bring the person who made guardians of the galaxy which people had already quote unquote said was like marvel's you know like suicide squad or suicide squad was dc's guardians of the galaxy and then take that exact director and then put him in that just like they took the exact director of Avengers and put him in just like, it's just, it's, it, it just really doesn't agree with me on so many, so many, so many levels. Um, so I'm not, I, I'm, I'll be curious maybe to see what the trailer looks like, what the footage looks like, but I'm not throwing my weight behind that um, in any way. Um, I'm not judging anyone who does. You do you. But for me, that's something that I'm going to try to avoid. Um, I'm going to watch the trailer and you'll you'll hear my thoughts. One thing about me is that I'm never I'm never biased. If it's good, I'll say it's good. If it's not, I'll say it's not. That's just the way I am. Um, and then Wonder Woman, 
Jeff Johns is is closely involved in that. And um, we're going to talk a bit more about Jeff Johns, but we all know um, that he is not someone that I advocate for in any way. And then also um, Hector Navarro's involvement in whatever panel he's involved in. Um, Hector Navarro is someone I've blocked him on social media. He's a person who works for DC and has been uh, bullying, harassing, slandering DC fans, Zack Snyder, DC products, and the argument that everyone is entitled to, to their opinion does not apply here because when you work for a company, it is unethical to be critical of the products of that company, except if it has to do with something like, you know, some morality issue like workplace abuse or unsafe working conditions or but just in terms of bashing the product of a company that you work for i've worked for companies i've 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 had to you know sit in on meetings where people were reprimanded for that kind of behavior um and that's unacceptable because for people who are fans of these products they expect no i don't say they expect but getting you know hate and dissenting voices and even abuse from commentators from outside that company is one thing but to get it from people within that company there's a different weight to it it carries a different weight there's a different context to it and um, I personally feel that Hector Navarro should not as long as he has those opinions and he hasn't been reprimanded for those actions he should not be working for DC he is free to spew whatever whatever commentary he has on any other platform. As a matter of fact, he's free to come on this um, platform, and I would happily debate him on on uh, the DC stuff he hates. But as an employee of DC, he has no no. It's just it's uh, it's it's ethically um, it's ethically wrong. It's bad for the brand. It's bad for uh, people trying to enjoy something, you know, uh, it kills excitement. It it puts a damper on people's um, enjoyment and and you know, good feelings about something um, when they come to a, a, the place where they're supposed to celebrate it, and they're also getting hate. So I'm very 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 much against uh, those things. Um, yeah, and that's just the truth. Um, all right. So we know that DC is about the big three, the holy trinity, the triumvirate of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So the hottest panels are going to be Snyder Cut, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So I want to hear more detailed thoughts about from you guys about these panels. Let's start with Wonder Woman, and let's start with Paul because he's got the most positive things to say. I, I think I've been, I think I've been pretty positive tonight, but um, overall, I mean, relative, relative to the norm. Um, Wonder Woman eighty four. You know, this is one that I'm really torn on whether or not I'm going to support this one. I think what it's going to come down to is if my daughter expresses an interest in it, and so far she has, we'll check it out because that's her interest. Um, I'm not loving what I'm seeing from it on a personal level. But as a parent, I take my daughter to see other movies that aren't particularly my taste, and I think this movie is made more for her than it is for me. Um, I saw a little teaser clip today, and I don't know how, how much it circulated, but that parachute pants joke, I don't know if you guys saw it, I saw where, it. Uh, 
where he, uh, you know, he comes out in the parachute pants and he's like, oh, does everyone parachute now? And I was like, oh, God, this is the kind of stuff we've been trying to get away from. And here they are doubling down on it. And uh, but you know what? People will find that funny, I guess. It's not for me, but um, yeah, so I'm lukewarm on this, but I know my daughter is, is at least moderately excited about it. So I will watch this trailer both for my own um, curiosity and because I think she'll be excited about it. And whether, you know, say her excitement level and her interest level will dictate whether or not this one actually gets my money. Um, so uh, that's my thoughts on Wonder Woman. Uh, you want me to go ahead to Flash, or do you guys want to talk uh, about Wonder Woman so, first? Uh, let's hear Christian. Christian, what do you think about Wonder Woman? I, I think I'm the opposite. I mean, I'm I'm very, I am excited about Wonder Woman '84, and I, I've I've loved Gal's take on it. Uh, I know it's obviously, you know, it's a mixture of Patty and Zach and everybody. I, I get all that. I know it's not just her, but. I am looking forward to it. The only downside to Wonder Woman 84 is I don't like that they keep throwing it in my face that it's 80s. Like, by the way, did you did you guys know it's in the 80s? I don't know if you knew that. Because <laughs> it's in the 80s, just in case. And it's 1984, in case you guys are wondering. It's 1984. So um, there's a little bit too much of that going on. However, I do know, if I'm not mistaken, the panel itself will have Gal, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal. Um, and they're, they're going to make it a little more fan-focused, which I think is really good for the interactivity of it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm not as down. I did see the clip that, and I made me smile, made me laugh. I, I have nothing. I didn't think it was that offensive uh, to my sensibilities. That particular joke. You, you know what, Christian? In isolation, but, it's not that offensive. But there was another one about the garbage pail in the last clip, and it just seems like they're putting an emphasis on the corny '80s humor, like the the yeah. fish out of water in the '80s, and and that's going to get old fast for me, at least. But you know what? For some, they'll love it, right? Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, that made me smile too. Again, it wasn't nearly as offensive as I've seen some. You know, like I'm a big fan of the two Guardians of the Galaxy movies, except Guardians of the Galaxy 2 decided to go off the wall in terms of comedy. And I even I was like, OK, guys, you're going a step too far. And I'm, a, I'm an MCU fan and you're going a step too far. So there is a line that I think could be crossed in this movie and it could get crossed very quickly. Um, but from what I've seen so far, I don't think it's necessarily going to do it. But what the hell do I know until I see it? So far, I'm excited about it. I like the way it looks. I have a wife and a sister that are really pumped to see this movie. So maybe in a sense, I'm even more excited because I get to experience it with them. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Mm -hmm. All I know is that, yes, this is a panel I am looking forward to, and it is also a movie that I'm looking forward to. So I'm still positive on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, for me, I'm, I'm not going to be as positive as you guys. I'm not like... I mean, for for so many reasons, obviously, there's the the Jeff Johns involvement still bothers me to no end. It's mm. it's yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's it's like anything. It's like Brian Singer being involved in something. Or yeah, I can't blame you guys for that. I can't. Yeah, it's just. I mean, obviously, he's not the sole creator, and there are a lot of other people in it and stuff like that. But it's just it's one of those things that's like a splinter in your mind, just always at the back of your mind. Like, why is he? You know. It's just it's it's weird, and then in terms of the, the the direction, I'm curious to see. Not excited, but curious to see where it goes because just from following these things very closely, I know, and let's put it that way, <laughs> that um, what the first Wonder Woman was mainly Zack Snyder's baby in terms of you know his pr producer story, visual style, aesthetic, a lot of the casting choices. You know, a lot of that movie, that has a lot of his vision in it, even as closely tied to the former DCEU, like the Snyderverse, as it was. Um, the only parts that didn't have his vision in it, that had Patty Jenkins and, and Jeff Johns, 
was the third act, which uh, inevitably is the worst part of the movie. Now, this movie is more Patty Jenkins. And you can see it with, you know, how glossy and candy-coated um, Wonder Woman's armor is. The fact that Wonder Woman doesn't have a sword because, quote-unquote, Patty Jenkins says it's uh, too aggressive. Okay? Um, so, you know, it's stuff like that 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 um, turns me off from it. Not completely, but I enjoyed the first and second acts of the first Wonder Woman film uh, so much that um, anything that's a departure from that to me doesn't have me as excited. I'm not saying things can't, but you'll have to convince me that the departure is necessary and the, and the departure is good. I think that's only fair. And then throw in the fact that the third act, which is more Jeff Johns and which is more Wonder Woman, was absolutely horrible. Um, and then these are the creative forces behind the entirety of this. They have a lot of convincing of me to do. And then obviously with Paul, with what Paul's alluded to, with the jokes and the humor, and then Chris Pine coming back is another sort of emotional crutch that I'm not, that I don't like in terms of, in terms of it just being an emotional crutch and being lazy storytelling and a cop out. Um, although to be sincere in the comics, he comes back, he's come back several times, died and come back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, this is not a comic. This is a movie and I expect more from, um, from big budget movies done at this high level of craft. Um, so with all those said, that's where I stand on, on Wonder Woman. I remain skeptical. And the jury is out in my mind. I will watch a trailer, definitely. Uh, but I have I have serious concerns. I really do. Um, so next of the triumvirate that we will speak about is Batman. Everybody's favorite except me. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, uh, Matt Reeves, Batman with Robert Pattinson. Uh, there were some brand new visuals, the new logo that we got today. Jim Lee also did some key art. Um, of the uh, the cape, the cowl, and the collar. Um, so, Paul, what do you think about the upcoming panel? What do you think about the, the art and the new bat symbol that we got today? You know, I didn't look super closely at it, but it didn't it didn't offend me. I thought it was okay. Uh, it didn't blow me away either. The art. Um, I you know, as I said before, I'm interested in the Batman. Uh, Batman's my favorite character. He has been since. You know, since I was a kid where I kind of waffled between Spider-Man and Batman and, you know, maybe lean Spider-Man during Todd McFarlane's run. But um, but Batman's kind of always man. been my been my you favorite, right? <laughs> so, oh, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man was great. Don't <laughs> <laughs> but um, but, you know, I, I'm I'm it, this is what we're asking for. It's dark. It's serious. It might have an R rating. It, they're getting into the psychology of the character. Uh, you see Pattinson's enthusiasm for being able to push boundaries and go places with an R rating potentially that you couldn't go elsewhere. Now, that hasn't been confirmed that they're doing it, but you hope that that's where they're going. Um, and, and so this is going to be our first chance to get a real solid look at it, right? We've had teases of, like you say, the cowl and the, the neck, which it looks a little questionable, the chest plate and the symbol, which we're still not exactly sure what that is, as far as I know. Uh, Batmobile is definitely an interesting take, but I'm open to it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm, it's a combination of, of curiosity and excitement for this one, but I'm not having the negative feelings that a lot of people are to this, and, I, and I'm interested in, um, you know, maybe a more psychological Batman than the physically imposing one. And that, that's not to say I prefer this take. I would, I mean, by the Batfleck take is was perfect for my tastes. Um, old, broken, angry Batman is uh, off the rails. Batman is is perfect. That's exactly what I like. I don't. I don't even are, want to. Are you Batman. Are you trying to tell us something about how <laughs> yourself? <laughs> are you old, angry, and off the rails? Is that what you? <laughs> old and old and breaking down. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> try to keep the rest under control. But I, I found I found uh, you know rating the, rating the wine rack a little too much. Uh, Affleck, <laughs> to, to be a, that's my kind of relatable character. You know? <laughs> so, um, you know that that's my taste in characters. The the Frank Miller Dark Knight, you know that that kind of Batman is always even before I was old and broken. Uh, you know I, that was interesting to me, and now now that I can really relate to it, I uh, that's still that's still my my taste. But um, but I'm also interested in a different take, especially if it's if it's going to lean into the darkness and the psychology of the character, and not this campy comedic crap. And don't get me wrong, I like my Lego Batman, but I like my Lego Batman as Lego Batman. Yeah. I don't want that invading yeah. my live action like mm-hmm. they tried with Justice League with the "I don't not like you" crap, right? Which mm-hmm. was which was a pure Lego Batman type. Yeah. I mean, could you not see Lego Batman saying that to the Joker? Yeah. But you think he might have actually said it to him. You know, uh, something's so. definitely bleeding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that same kind of stuff, right? So. So this is a, this is okay to me. I mean, I, the only resentment I would have is that if we got is that we maybe got this instead of our Batfleck um, solo. But now I'm not so sure we're not going to get our Batfleck solo. So that makes me feel better about this too. So I'm open. The more Batman, the better. The more takes, the better. As long as it's not campy, corny crap, right? And this doesn't look like it's campy or corny. So I'm I'm excited about this. Yeah. Christian, what do you think of the upcoming Batman panel? You know, like Paul, Batman is hands down one of my favorite characters. He and Wolverine are my two favorite comic book characters, and I adore them and all the different takes that, that they've had throughout their history. And I don't know, it's their journeys, it's everything. So, you know, and, and when Batman is comic and he's campy, let me know he's going to be comic and campy, and I'm going to be okay with that. It's when they do what Paul said that I typically will have a problem with it. Um, this, and I was surprised because Bale is my goat. He's my goat in in the, uh, the character but uh man uh, ben affleck surprised me and rapidly became my second favorite i i am very happy with his take on the character so seeing a new take so quickly is jarring mm. um but mm. i'm definitely willing to see it but it's definitely jarring to me um as for the design itself guys i you know i kind of like the fact that this has a rough around the edges look to it and this is a rough around the edges Batman that we're supposed to be getting. This is not a Batman that has been polished at the top of his game and then is starting to break down a little bit and has brutally become violent, lost his faith in humanity, all that. He's at the beginning of all of this, um, different than Bales apparently. So a little rough around the edges. I like what Jim Lee was going for. Um, he made the collar look cool because so mm-hmm. far – I have mm-hmm. not seen something that made the collar look cool. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely uh, notable. He, he made it look good. I have yet to see something make that collar look good, so I'm interested in seeing if that translates well from the page to the screen. As for the panel itself, guys, Matt Free Matt Reeves is getting joined by Aisha T- Tyler, and she's my girl. So she's like the biggest fangirl on the planet. She, I, I love her a lot, and apparently they're bringing on a surprise guest or two, they said. So this could be a really cool panel. Um, I, I think whether you want to be a hater, whether you want to be a lover, or whether you're just curious, you probably got to watch this panel. 
just to see what's going on with Batman. We're supposed to get more footage, like Paul said. You got to go for it. But I like the uh, I like the little design there. It's it's very very comic-y. and yeah. it's just it seems like it's you know rough, which and younger Batman is probably supposed to be rough. So yeah, yeah. let's see. Yeah. Christian, to I, your point there about um, Sir Lupe, I just want to jump in and say one thing. It. To your point about it being jarring, not being ready for a new Batman, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I made that <laughs> mistake with Batfleck. Yeah. Um, because I I like Bale. I like the Dark Knight trilogy. I thought, why are we getting another Batman movie? I remember thinking, why another Batman movie? And why Ben Affleck when he was yeah, when he was just Daredevil? And Daredevil is one of those movies on my like. At least the theatrical cut. I've not seen the extended, which I hear is better. But that was up there on my list of like movies I've been closest mm-hmm. to walking out of. Um, <laughs> and and so it just it, I just said I was just, I was close to it, and it just it didn't hit me until I actually watched the ultimate edition how awesome Batfleck was, and and mm-hmm. I stopped to question why I was so close minded to it. So I, I will not mm-hmm. make that mistake again. Um, so I and I'd advocate for anyone I, I'd suggest I guess to anyone else that is in that mindset. Uh, you know, be open. You can still like Batfleck, and there's still a decent chance we're going to get more Batfleck. Yeah, um, so don't be close-minded to something different if we can have both. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys, you've made like really, really amazing cases for uh, for the Batman. Um, I think I remain where I have been. And I really want, I don't want people to misconstrue my, my, my words. Um, I'm excited for this, actually. I'm just disappointed that visually, I don't think that it's going to be as good as it can be. Um, and I believe that we don't have to choose. It doesn't have to be, oh, you get, you either get story, depth, grounded, grittiness the psychological uh, investigation of the character or you get you know great visuals and you know great aesthetic and this great sort of you know uh, comic book language you can have the best of both worlds together as we saw with batfleck like batfleck was 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 a batman that was exploring the dark depths of the character the trauma that the character has experienced um pushing him to his moral limits, um, really testing the character in every way possible. Um, so you can have both. It's just Matt Reeves is not a director that I've ever looked at and said, oh, he's good at action or he's mm-hmm. good at... Um, it's just even his Apes movies, the action isn't particularly good. The cinematography isn't, isn't even particularly great. And I love those movies, okay? Um you know what? I'll say something too that might be get me canceled as well. Like the the Dark Knight trilogy is fantastic, and you guys know how I feel about Nolan. Mm-hmm. But the action in Batman Begins is so claustrophobic. Yeah, a, and the action a, in The Dark Knight Rises is terrible. Yeah, I, it's yeah. so I I agree with you. Sometimes these guys come out of left field. Still great movies. Don't get me wrong. But absolutely, like, yeah, Master, yeah Nolan, master, masterpiece. The Dark Knight definitely. So yeah, it is possible that you know we don't get. Uh, something that has like you know the warehouse fight scene and yeah, the Batmobile yeah. you know car chase you know where he's mowing people down and and Alfred's probably like what is wrong with this guy, <laughs> um, um, but we we're still gonna get a fantastic movie because in terms of story, in terms of character, in terms of uh, like mystery, Matt Reeves is gonna knock it out the park. Like do not fool yourself. This is gonna be one of the best Batman stories we've 
ever had on film. Bet that. Like, for real. I'm just, you know, just that little disappointment. That, oh, I wish we could have, you know, I wish, like, the, the costume could have been better. I wish the Batmobile was not a Vin Diesel Fast and Furious <laughs> ride. And uh, for as far as the art that Jim Lee uh, made, I think we got to keep it real. He made that Batman look better than what Pattinson has looked like. That's mm-hmm. just the facts. Pattinson does not look like that in the Cape Cowl and Collar. Um, he doesn't look that good. That's just the facts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I am excited to see. I wish, I, I, I hope we get, like, a teaser. They've been shooting for a while. And um, maybe Matt Reeves doesn't have as much experience as someone like Zack Snyder. But one thing that Zack Snyder has said is that, you know, they, he schedules his his shooting. And, and it's not just Zack Snyder that does this, but people who make, like, these kind of fan-centric blockbusters where there's so much thirst for you know content and trailers and teasers and you know zach is really good at hyping stuff so they shoot um stuff that they're going to use for a trailer immediately they schedule it very quickly they start the vfx like even before post-production uh before um yeah principal photography they start you know on some vfx you know um assets and stuff like that that's why we're able to get the first teaser for justice league just was it weeks after principal maybe like six weeks <laughs> after principal photography we got the first teaser for um for for justice league so um i, I do hope he surprises us with a teaser because if he does my goodness my god the amount of goodies we're gonna have oh <laughs> it's gonna be glorious so um yeah i i, I am excited for it um overall very excited, very hopeful, um, and and that's where I stand on it. So uh, let's end the fandom conversation with the Snyder Cut. Release the Snyder Cut, um, guys. Tell me your 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 mood going into this, your expectations, your hopes, your dreams, your passions. Um, just open your heart to me, okay? This is a safe space. Around the campfire in the wastelands. <laughs> all right, Paul. Let's hear what you got to say. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, I think we all want to see this trailer, right? Uh, and we got a little taste today with that uh, twenty-four second clip, which sounded like it had the Junkie XL score in it. Um, so I want more of that. Uh, I want the full two and a half, three minutes of it. Um, you know, it was it was just nice to see the proper color grading and the image composition today. Um, and you know, you just want, you want more, you want more of that taste of what we're going to get. I'd love to see, um, that Steppenwolf and Desaad conversation about the, uh, the no lanterns, no Kryptonians. Um, I think a lot of people that's on their wish list with, I mean, that, that was the line that got me most hyped up from the trailers for the theatrical cut. Right. And then we never got it in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I want to see that yeah. done. I want to see that done the way <laughs> it was meant to be done. And if I have to wait, you know, fine, I'll wait. But the trailer, the trailer is number one. That's what I'm most interested in in, mm-hmm. in hearing about or seeing, I should say. Um, and then I want the details. I want to know exactly what, how we're going to consume this. Is it going to mm-hmm. be a four-hour movie? Is it going to be episodes? Is it going to be two parts? Is it, um, what's the format going to be? Is it really 1.33 even on widescreen television, or is it the 1.66 that he mentioned a while ago and hasn't mentioned recently? Because I think today. 
it sounded like he confirmed 1.33 in his Vero comments, but I know in the past he clearly said 1.66. Me personally, I think I'd prefer the 1.66 on my home viewing experience. If he's actually going to get this thing in an IMAX theater, then great. Go for the 1.33, 1.43, whatever. Um, you know, the 1.43 he was mentioning at SnyderCon. Um, but for me, um, I like the widescreen format. Um, you know, so yes, you get more at the top and bottom on a 1.33, but you're also getting 25% of your screen filled with black bars, which actually is, you know, the same as a roughly the same amount of black as a 2.35 by one. So it's actually just different, not, um, you know, not necessarily less image than you'd get in a 2.35 by one. But um, I'm conditioned to, to like widescreen. And subconsciously, I think I, um, when I see square, I think SD, even though this is not SD, this is still going to be high definition. So I want, I want image, um, image size or image ratio, I guess, confirmed. I want episode format confirmed. I don't really care what it's called. It seems like today it might be called the Snyder cut. Uh, before he clearly said that uh, the name they wanted was Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm okay with either. I don't really care. Uh, it'd be nice to know, I guess, once and for all what it is, but that's really low on my priority list. I, I really want to see the trailer know the format in terms of number of episodes and the image ratio. And if maybe we get choices, maybe we're, maybe we're going to get the option of viewing it 1.33 or 1.66. Maybe we're going to get an option to see it in theater at some point, in addition to streaming on HBO max. Those are the kind of questions. I, I hope we get as many answers around that as we can. And that's, um, and as I said, you know, this is for me is far and away the headliner uh, experience for this uh, DC fandom for me. This is what's, this is what's bringing me in and creating the majority of my hype. So Paul, there's a there's a Snyder cut. There's a version of of Justice League that wasn't. I'm just kidding, bro. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. At least at no. least twenty minutes of extra footage. <laughs> but he might be using uh, some of Whedon's. So we'll see. <laughs> ooh, ooh, boo. Mm-hmm. I uh no. Okay, look. Am I as psyched as you and Lupe? Okay, maybe not. Um, but am I still psyched? Yeah, yeah, to a certain extent. And I agree with you, by the way. I think the biggest thing with this panel is footage. I want to see the two, two and a half minute, three minute trailer. Give me footage. That's what I want to see. Cause that's what this is all about right now at this point. We've been told for people that have not in the community, like you guys are, that this will be the end all be all. This is fantastic. This is amazing. This is the greatest comic book movie ever made. Well, let me see some of the footage then. I want to see that. Um, we did see that little teaser today, which is fine. The teaser today was great. You guys are going to kill me. I prefer a color grading. That's actually somewhere in between what Zach usually does and what we, I don't know what the hell you call the color grading that was in justice league. Cause that was just ultra bright. Something the more along the lines of like winter soldier Logan. Um, so I kind of like something that's kind of a little bit in more in between that, but it definitely looked better than what we had. So yeah, I want to see the footage. And the other thing would be too, is it possible for Zach to go into a little bit more detail about what we're going to see? Is it going to be just one movie? Is it going to be episodic? Can he talk a little bit about, some of the stuff that was really changed in this movie, a la Cyborg and Superman. Those are the two biggest. I'm, and I'm wondering if he's going to be able to go into that in this panel. It would be really cool if he, because we're going to get this trailer, so it looks like Cyborg is a big part of it. Can we talk a little bit more about Cyborg? And I'm really interested because you guys know how I feel about his version of Superman. I loved Man of Steel. And I really did disliked what they did in Justice League with Superman. And that is the one thing that I, I really think that Snyder can fix. So I really want to see a little bit more about Superman. So I'm wondering if they could go into that in the panel. But it's all about the footage, guys. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm way too excited. Like, everything else revolves around this Snyder Cut panel. I just, I love hearing Zach talk about DC characters, talk about filmmaking, his creative process. Like, he's he's a very inspirational artist um, for what he stands for as an artist. Um I always say he he's someone who reminds us that it's okay to be you, you know, whatever, however quirky you are, however different you are, it's okay to be you and uniquely you and don't change who you are to please anyone else. The, the most powerful thing you have in this world is your unique signature or else you're, you're nothing. You're just, you know, you're just nothing, you know? Um, so in that spirit, I'm happy to see the film, however he wants to make it. Now, am I going to love it if the aspect ratio is a weird triangle tilted to the side? <laughs> no, but I'm going to allow him to do what he wants to do. Um, the color grading, it looks different from Man of Steel. It looks different from BVS as well. It, it strikes me more as within the color palette of Sucker Punch. Um and in Sucker Punch, there are some scenes that are like super vibrant, super colorful. Then, especially the more quote unquote mundane scenes where you don't have as much, you know, crazy stuff going on. It's very desaturated, very contrasted. The blacks are intensely black. Um, and I like it. What can I say? I'm someone <laughs> who just has um, a taste and a palate for the dark and gritty. <laughs> um, DC Comics, after all, does stand for dark and gritty comics. It's not detective comics; <laughs> it's dark and gritty comics. So, to be sincere, like when I saw the the color grading, it just it made me hungry and thirsty for uh, some food and some wine. <laughs> it just like the it, it's it's exciting to me because. Um, this panel, it, it's more than a movie, right? It's it's about a movement, and it's about everything that that movement stand, stood for and stands for is what this film um, represents. Artistic integrity. Um, standing for what is right. Um, standing ten toes down for what you believe in, despite uh people saying you're wrong despite people saying you should be some other way despite people saying you should be like the popular thing um despite people saying that you're crazy despite people saying that what you like or what you love or what you stand for is wrong you know um having just ultimate faith ultimate ultimate belief in in who you are um and that's what we're seeing it's not it's going to be a celebration that's what it is like just even forget the film itself it's 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 going to be a celebration and i'm just so so delighted to see the return of Zack snyder to to fan events and it's going to be glorious i'm also very excited that um aisha tyler seems like she's going to be hosting uh the big dc panels she's fantastic at it super talented She's got the energy, got a voice for it. You see, she's easy on the eyes as well, I must say. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a full circle 
you know, karmic justice uh, ring to it because she is she was a frequent host at Zack Snyder's panels at Comic-Con and where he did a bunch of like trailer reveals. And I always remember her voice, you know, talking to Zack. And she's been a huge supporter of Zack's work. When BVS came out and there was so much hate for it, she was one of the few, um, you know, verified people on Twitter and, you know, people who you know, really stuck her neck out there and said, this movie is a masterpiece. I don't care what you haters say. You can go suck it. Explaining, like, all the stuff that people were trying to say was wrong with the film, you know, like, breaking down what it means as a statement of American power and the immigrant experience and persecution of illegal immigrants and all that stuff. Like, so her coming around to welcome Zack Snyder back after witnessing the birth, the rise, the fall, and the resurrection. It's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that's what this panel means to me. I know it's what it means to a lot of the Snyder Cut faithful. And I'm happy uh, for all of us that we're going we're gonna to get to experience the glory. Um, as uh, Christian said, is it going to be the greatest movie ever, the most beautiful thing ever? It doesn't have to be to, to, to everyone. Zack Snyder has said he's not trying to make something popular. He's making it for the fans. So people who don't normally like Zack Snyder's content or who normally aren't the biggest fans of his stuff, it doesn't matter if they like it or not. This is for the fans. And that's the beauty of it. That's Any fan anywhere should just be in love with that concept because it means that whatever you love, wherever it is in this world, someone can make that thing for you despite what anyone else says unabashedly not caring about adulation and praise from people who probably never really liked it in the first place so that's what this stands for and and the snyder cut it's it's everything and i can't wait oh my goodness i can't wait i hope i hope and hope that my heart doesn't just like burst <laughs> from being too fast but um I'm I'm really ex I'm really excited. Um, I know I have hopes in terms of reveals. Maybe we get some Green Lantern stuff. That will be super exciting. Um, obviously, as Paul has alluded to, we we we'd like to know more on you know the format it's going to take in terms of storytelling. Is it going to be broken up? Going to be one saga? Are we getting IMAX? You know all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, just more details. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah, the Snyder Cut at H. B.O. Max, uh, the preview of fandom. Um, so, yeah, that's our fandom um, primer. Uh, I hope you guys uh, gained a little bit of insight from that. And with that, we will move on to our next topic, which is also DC-related. Look at that segue. We got Ben Affleck, a.k.a. Batfleck, a.k.a. The Goat. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. In an exclusive report from Vanity Fair, Ben Affleck will return as Batfleck alongside Michael Keaton in Andy Muschietti's The Flash movie, which stars Ezra Miller, of course. And I have some really cool quotes from producer Barbara Muschietti. She says, his Batman has a dichotomy that is very strong, which is his masculinity because of the way he looks and the imposing figure that he has and his jawline 
but he's also very vulnerable. He knows how to deliver from the inside out that vulnerability. He just needs a story that allows him to bring that contrast and that balance. In talking about his struggles with um, substance abuse and his tumultuous times, he said, she said, we are all human and go through great times in our lives and terrible times in our lives. Right now, he's in a place where he can certainly enjoy being Batman. Plus, he doesn't have to carry the entire movie. It's a pivotal role, but at the same time, it's a fun part. He's the baseline. He's part of the unaltered states before we jump into Barry's adventure, the director said. That's from uh, Andy Muschietti. There's a familiarity there. So, guys, I want to hear your thoughts. Go off. Paul, let's start with you. Uh, what did you think of this news? Did you ever think that Batfleck was going to come back? Um, and what yeah. do you think it means for the Flash movie? Yeah, I thought there was an outside chance he was coming back. I thought there was even an outside chance that he might appear in this one. Um but this was a surprise announcement today, obviously. Um, I mean, we talked in the past, like never say never, um, you know, about him coming back. I think it might have even been our last episode. You know, we we kind of said that uh, in response to Mark Hughes saying that, uh, you know, the Bat Batfleck wasn't coming back. He'd heard nothing about it. Mm -hmm. And um, and actually, he changed his story today. He said that now not only like not only did this come up recently, but now he's hearing that there's several people within HBO that are interested in a potential. Affleck uh, series or solo film uh, for HBO Max. So just not to not to cut you off, I apologize, but when we're having this conversation, what did I say? I said Mark Hughes was wrong about the Snyder cut, so I don't want to oh. hear what he has to say about this. And lo and behold, wrong again. No offense to him, this is not meant to be. You know, I, I have no beef for him, but just I'm just saying. Yeah, no, and and you know, he to his credit, he. Uh, he came right out and admitted it, uh, and he did that when he was wrong about the Snyder Cut too. And okay. he was he was on the forefront of people admitting when they were wrong about that. So you so you have to respect that. And even when he said it in the last time, he said that he had not heard. You know, not not that it wasn't not he wasn't coming out saying it's deaded, it'll never happen. He just said that from his sources, he'd heard nothing of it. And um, you know, his, as I say, to his credit, he came out um, and he he's now saying that he is hearing about it. And uh, you know, which you know, take that for what it's worth, but. Um, this is, I mean, this is exciting news, right? With The Flash, I, my interest was high when I thought we were getting Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It dropped when I thought we were getting a nostalgia pander with Michael Keaton. And then you started hearing, well, you might still get Jeffrey Dean Morgan because maybe Flash is going to start ripping through multiple verses, right? Mm -hmm. And then you started thinking, well, if he's going to rip through multiple verses, wouldn't it make sense to have Batfleck in one of those verses like say the launching verse you know the one the the home verse that he starts out in now we don't know where he's going to end up is he going to end up back in the batflick verse is he going to end up in the matt reeves verse i i don't get the sense he's going to end up in the matt reeves verse but who knows uh i'm not sure if he's going to end up in the in the batflick verse i have my doubts but um hey it makes sense and uh, it's great to have ben affleck back and you got to believe that maybe this opens the door for more batfleck and then that's sort of the to the point that the mark hughes is now saying that yes he is hearing chatter and we've heard other people um i think most notably the uh the cultured nerd has been known uh, to be pushing this uh affleck coming back narrative since you know very shortly after the uh uh, the Snyder Cut announcement, the official Snyder Cut announcement, and uh, to their credit, they were they were right. You know whether or not that was based on a, a true source or whether or not they you know connected the dots. I have no idea. I mean, I don't want to disparage their credibility in any way. I know there's been arguments about uh, their credibility or not, and I, I honestly have no idea. So, um, you know, 
good for them. They got it right. I'm glad they're right. I mean, they were sort of accused of telling fans what they wanted to hear, and and thankfully fans are getting what they wanted, right? So uh, this is what I wanted. I'm way more interested in the Flash movie now uh, than I ever was, but not only for that movie, uh, but for the potential future of, of seeing Affleck again. And I think I think the quote that really made me feel good was um, from Muschietti's sister uh, that confirmed our suspicions that it was the drama, the not the role, that drove him out. And now that he's got his personal problems under control, uh, it's not the role at all that he's shying away from. And in fact, he was surprisingly open to it. Uh, so so that that looks great for the future. Now now our job as fans is to go to support the content he's in. So obviously we have to make Snyder Cut a huge hit. Um, I think it would help to to show up for The Flash, although you know there are still warning signs with The Flash when they start talking about going for a Back to the Future tone. And you've got uh, Christina Hodson writing who I did not like the humor in Birds of Prey at all. Um, I thought it was just too on-the-nose, try-hard humor. Um, and then going back to Bumblebee, John Cena's character was so ridiculously corny that it almost worked. Like it was so outrageously bad that I actually kind of liked it. Um, but I don't want to see that in in my Flashpoint movie, right? So, so I'm I'm still I'm still on the fence about the movie, but certainly more interested today. And and now I'm kind of optimistic that we might see Jeffrey Dean Morgan in this as well, right? If you're gonna, I mean, Zach set that up for a reason. Uh, you're going to bring Batflick back as your base universe, so you're starting out in the Snyderverse, I mean, or at least what's become of the Snyderverse in the theatrical sense. You're going to go to other verses with uh, Michael Keaton and his old 89 Batman. Why not take a pass through Thomas Wayne-verse as a, um, you know, not only take advantage of that setup from BVS and to keep Snyder fans happy, but also as a nod to the comic, which which spawned this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I'm much more interested uh, now than I was 24 hours ago, and I'm looking forward to the DC Fandom panel much more than I was 24 hours ago. And um, I probably was not leaning towards seeing this one in theaters based on what I known what I knew 24 hours ago, and now I definitely am leaning towards seeing this in theaters. So um, I think this is a, a huge win, not only for this film but also for the fandom and for the potential of getting more Batfleck. And wouldn't wouldn't it be great if we got the Batfleck, Joe Manganiello, Deathstroke, and Jared Leto Joker? crossover film or series that uh, fans have been asking for right so uh, it's it's great news it's uh it's hope and optimism done right for me so what uh, <laughs> what did you guys think uh christian tell us what you what you thought flashpoint i mean that's <laughs> you know flashpoint it's what we've been saying for a bunch of episodes now that definitely i don't think what the hell do I know? I don't think uh, Affle- Affleck's Batman is going to have a juicy major role in the movie because if they are going that direction, it, it is going to be the bouncing between different multiverses, different you know universes and everything. So uh, parallel dimensions, all that fun stuff that comes with it. So I don't know if he has a juicy, meaty role, but what I like about it is what we've been talking about, that – my major complaint against WB has been since the beginning. Take shit, throw it against the wall, see if it works, go to social media, see what people say about it, blah, 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 go right down the list and not have a freaking clue what to do with your premier properties. And okay, here we go. Now, this is a this now tells me that either there was a plan behind the scenes all along and I'm a complete idiot and I was reading it the wrong way or they have course corrected in the proper way, in a way in which they can – you, you don't have to do something where it's like – Oh, well, we made the Snyderverse, but we're going to tell people that it's not the real universe. We made the DCU, but we're going to tell people that's not the real universe. They see that, 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 that. No, no, no. They all exist. They're all canon. They're all real. 
everything that you want, everything that you love, no matter what it is, there's a place for it right here for you. And it's here. And we're going to continue these stories. Oh, you like light? You like whatever you want? You like watching cosplay? Go watch CW. You, you like whatever's going on in DCU? You got it there. You like the Snyderverse? Guess what? We're going to continue that too because that still exists. It doesn't mm-hmm. stop. And I think that's the big takeaway from this is the acknowledgement. They are not turning aside. They are not throwing it away. It is completely different than what happened with Justice League where they, they were actively trying to crush something. Now, no, no, no. We're embracing it. We're embracing everything. We're admitting we're embracing everything, but we're embracing this as well. So this has definitely got to be, I think, good news, especially from a comic perspective. You get these great different Earths and all these different – it's just there's so many paths to the storytelling they could go. So many paths. For this movie, eh, I don't know. I don't know if he's got a big role, but hey, man, (laughs) this opens the doors to some other shit, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Come on. It totally does. So, Yeah. Yeah. uh, um, For me, I mean – this, you know, you're talking about the multiverse and, and this film, you know, opening that up and focusing on that. Just another reminder that that uh, DC Fandom panel we're talking about, multiverse, it's one multiverse. that people check out. <laughs> yeah, really check it out. I think it's going to, it's going to, hopefully, it should, you know, add some clarity to the situation. It should, um, all those positive things you said about the possibilities with the multiverse. Well, uh, one thing I'd one thing I'd add to that, Lupe, it's a thirty minute panel, and it's right before this flash panel, so, so it makes a lot of sense that they're going to tie together. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, in terms of uh, Batfleck coming back, I, I don't want to say I never had a doubt, but I'm not surprised, honestly, for a lot of reasons. Um, as I'm, I'm not sure how how deep into this we we went when we had discussions um about this topic but just if, if you've observed the way he's talked about the snyder cut um dceu dc projects in the past months it's it's not just been blase laissez-faire like oh that was something i did that's cool there's been passion in his eyes, genuine passion. As a matter of fact, in a video that he did about the Snyder Cut, it was almost like he was almost in tears, like full of, of, of you know, happiness for Zack being able to complete his film. And if you know the history of he and Zack Snyder, he loves Zack Snyder. This is someone who roots for Zack Snyder. Like one of the reasons why a lot of DC fans had... Well, a little bit of beef with Henry Cavill was because publicly, publicly he wasn't supporting Zack Snyder. Ben Affleck was one of the people that was publicly supporting Zack Snyder. Um, whenever he was asked about like Batman v Superman and that that kind of stuff, um, he's talked severally about how the, he didn't want to do this Batman movie, but Zack Snyder convinced him to do it because of his passion for it. His enthusiasm, his take, that Dark Knight kind of brooding, more mature, um, broken, psychologically conflicted, um, deep dive into into the character. So when it comes to Zack's take, Zack's world, uh, Ben Affleck is very passionate about that. And we talked about how the reason why he didn't want to do it that time was he was dealing with health issues, mental health issues with alcoholism, depression, going through a tough time, but also the environment within the company was toxic. 
which is going to be our next uh, topic that we're going to go into with Jeff Johns and, and John Berg and these people who are making life difficult for creatives. So you couple that together. It just wasn't the working environment that was good for him. And he saw what Zack Snyder was going through. And, I, you know, we won't go too in-depth into, you know, the trials and tribulations of Zack Snyder during that time. But these were all the swirling winds that made it impossible for him to be passionate and feel good about I mean, you came in to be the Dark Knight Batman and they got you saying jokes like, I don't not like you. What? Like, <laughs> and you ha you're having Jeff Johns bullying people and, you know, persecuting Zack Snyder and all this stuff going on. So now that the environment has been cleaned, okay, now that things are more positive and things are better, both within the organization and in his personal life, I've seen them pictures with Ana de Armas and <laughs> good luck. All right. <laughs> He's happy. All right. Well deserved. Um, it only makes sense. It only makes sense that, you know, that the possibility is high. Um, so uh, we'll just leave this conversation on a very hopeful note. Um, hopefully he gets his own solo, you know, Batman project. It, to me, it's, it's a... Uh, it's it's we haven't we don't have closure on that. It's a great what would have been, and it's something that needs to happen. It really does. We've heard people talk about how crazy good the script was. Um, we know that Joe Man Joe Manganiello, the stuff I heard him say he was doing to prep for the role. This dude traveled to Japan to discover like forbidden. Uh, katana blade techniques the most lethal like forbidden techniques that samurai are not supposed to use he was studying this stuff because it was going to be you know like so let's just remain hopeful hopefully you know that comes to fruition sometime soon and um, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this I'm definitely going to watch the flash now um, and in the article it wasn't mentioned I mean, I, I forgot to mention this, but in the article was mentioned that there are going to be several Batman. So we may actually see Robert Pattinson's Batman. If we're able to see um, Christian Bill's Batman, that will be the bomb, y'all. Um, but I think that Ben Affleck is actually going to have quite a substantial role. I definitely think that we're going to see Thomas Wayne and Michael Keaton's Batman's also. It's going to be dope. It sounds like it sounds like a really good idea. It reminds me of um, Into the Spider Verse, and sort of you know those meta things that they were doing with that property. They were probably so, uh, emboldened by the reception that Into the Spider Verse got. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Paul, I know you you have to dip out. I, I do have to run at this point, guys. But it's uh, it's been a it's been a great time chatting tonight, and I'm sure you'll carry on uh, strong without me. So. Um, look forward to hearing the rest of the episode once uh, once we got it out. Absolutely, and our next episode it's going to be post the first uh, half of uh, Fandom, so that's going to be another explosive explosive <laughs> episode of Ian. And I hope I hope you're ready for that. Looking looking forward to it. All right, bro. All right, have a good one, guys. See you, Paul. Okay, and then there were two, uh -oh. but it's all good. So. Uh, <laughs> Let's move into our next topic, uh, Christian, and uh, yeah, let's just have a conversation about this Ray Fisher mm. saga. Um, this one, it's Ray Fisher versus 
the persons. Not Ray Fisher versus the people, because I think Ray Fisher is the people in this in this instance. Um, he posted some really serious tweets um, on Twitter today, and uh, I quote, After five weeks of interviews with various cast and crew, Warner Media has officially launched an independent third-party investigation to get to the heart of the toxic and abusive work environment created during Justice League reshoots. This is a massive step forward. I believe this investigation will show that Jeff Johns, Joss Whedon, John Berg, and others abused their power during the uncertainty of AT&T's merger with Time Warner. Thank you at Warner Media and AT&T for making strides to ensure a safer working place for all. And he ends it with the abbreviations A greater than E, which mm-hmm. translates to accountability over entertainment. Um, this is like this is really serious stuff. Uh, yeah. This no joke. Um, we can tackle this from personal vendettas and being personally slighted. We can also tackle this just from a place of of morality and goodness and what's right. There are many ways to look at this, Christian. What would you like to say about this um, evolving uh, case? Let's start it from a legal perspective. Shit just got real. Mm. Um, according to the Deadline article that came out, I believe it's a little just a little while before we recorded. The the uh, the author said a source with knowledge at the studio tells us that no findings have been made yet, and to preserve the integrity of the investigation, the company will not conduct its investigation in the public space. There's no specific timeline to the investigation other than being thorough and efficient. Warner Media has not prejudged Josh Whedon or Justice League producers Jeff Johns or John Berg, and I hear that the inquiry get ready for this is not limited to them. Now take that with. Whatever, right? So that's a, that's an author who said that's, and you know, he has a source, and blah blah blah. Whatever. However, this is a lot larger than I think some people think. Um, and the more I personally read about it, the more flabbergasted I am. And it's sickened is the other word too. When when we first talked about it a few episodes ago, um, and you guys asked me about how I felt about Whedon, you know, I told you, look, separating him, writer, filmmaker, person. I don't know him personally. But you hear about Charisma Carpenter and a couple of other people that worked with them. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller. You hear about people that worked with them, and it's like, mm-hmm, there's some shit with Josh Whedon. There just is. Um, and now the more that comes out, oh, my God, it's more than just him being a tool bag. You know, I mean, it seems like there was – I don't know if you want to call it a coordinated effort, but this stuff was allowed. And not only was it allowed, it was almost encouraged. It's okay to treat people like this. It's okay to have this working environment. It's all right to threaten people and to tell them that if you want to do ABC, I'll ruin your effing career. Really? So this has gone beyond hazing. This has gone beyond you know getting a, a rookie actor to act a certain way. No, no. This is now bordering on abuse. And mm. if what he's saying is true, it is abuse. Mm. It is abuse. So... It's disgusting, Lupe. I don't know what else to say. And it's, it, you know, the word disappointing no longer holds any water. At mm. first, I was disappointed. Now I'm not disappointed anymore. Now I'm disgusted. Mm. And, you know, it, 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 it blackens and darkens the, the stuff that I like that Whedon has done. And, mm. and it makes me personally feel skeevy for watching that stuff and enjoying mm. it. And, and I feel bad for a guy like Ray Fisher who 
by all means, he seems like a good guy and mm. a good person who doesn't deserve that. And you know what? He didn't deserve it. Geller didn't deserve it. Charisma Carpenter, none of it. They none of them deserve it. Mm-hmm. Nobody deserves it. And it's just I don't know what else to say, man. I'm I'm just so saddened by it, and I'm sickened by it. And I'm happy though for two things. Number one, justice appears to be getting done. And number two, before I throw the football back to you, is it sounds like he's got other people. It's not just Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. other people here. So, mm-hmm. which by the way, I think is key considering that at the moment he is not he's not a Ben Affleck in Hollywood yet right he's not he's not one of those big players yet so I think it, it, if those people support him that says a lot it says a lot um I don't know man I'm just I'm so disappointed yeah I mean I, I echo I echo your sentiments it's it's um it's it's not like I didn't know some of this stuff and you know there, there's a lot of information if you're able to parse through things, you can start to collate data and form an image. Mm-hmm. But this is official. This is yeah. really official. And one thing that people need to know about these kind of investigations is that they do preliminaries before. It's like an indictment, right? It's kind of like, right. like you right. know, there has to be evidence, right? You don't just indict someone just because of nothing. There has to be hard evidence before you can, you know, engage in, all right, an official investigation has to happen. That means that when they when they interviewed people, there was some stuff that they heard that was like, damn, we cannot ignore this. They are finding if there's smoke, there's fire. And they are going after the fire. Based this absolutely whatever they heard is not just hearsay. They it's have not, no, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Because obviously, one, it's an one, it's a, an independent third party investigation. Big key. Uh, so yeah, you can tell kid. when when they do that, you know what that means? It means that they're trying to cover their asses. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. means that they've seen something that they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Washing our hands of this. Let's bring someone else. Because at this point, yeah. And and Ray Fisher, he did um he did give us uh Easter eggs and nods. He said, remember he's that some of the things that he said where that like he chooses his words wisely. He said that there's shit in their pants. Yep. Yep. So I believe like even the stuff that we know, as you said, I think it's even worse. Yeah. And we have heard some bad, some terrible things. Like there are rumors that he locked Gal Gadot in a room. Yeah. That that to me doesn't even sound real. But if that happened, holy moly. Even the stuff of Flash landing in the boobs and the objection to that, that in itself is unethical and abhorrent in itself. Mm-hmm. Also, Joss Whedon, he has now shown a track record. So, you know, just like in any in anything, you do something once, oh, it's a mistake, you do something twice, you get slapped on the wrist third time. But when you show a track record, then it gets to the point where people are like, we have to put this, we have to put a stop to this. And we really have to like lay down the law. But there's something funny that I always think about what that Manu said. Mm-hmm. When this was when um, I think uh, Joss Whedon's wife put out that letter, letting yeah. people know, like this yeah. dude is fugazi. He's not who y'all think he is. Yeah, he pretends he's to be a feminist. Abuser. 
He's yeah. not a feminist. He is a pretty horrible person. Manu said something to the effect of, this dude has been, you know, whatever word you want to use, trash, you know, for the longest time. But why is it that it's when he's out of, like, Disney and now in, like, a DC property that, you know, he's allowed to be touched? Mm-hmm. Now, I, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not, it's just, I'm not trying to raise a red flag or say there's a conspiracy. I just think it's quite interesting um, in light of, not just in isolation, but in light of what we know about the way critics and media uh, react to Disney, Disney creators, Disney material, the way they cover that part of the blockbuster entertainment sphere, and the way they're quite harsh on others um i just thought that's that's very interesting and it's something serious to talk about because basically it allowed it empowered and enabled his behavior uh don't don't forget too you know in addition to what you just said disney has had certain stories come out about creators that have worked with them in the past and 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 people that have been their employees their ability to cover something up is unmatched, yeah. unmatched because they, they have a ton of marketing sway, a ton of media sway. And, and again, it's what I said earlier in the pod. Yes, I think Comcast is evil and I don't trust AT&T, but Disney's right up there. Disney's mm-hmm. right up there. Mm-hmm. I can like yeah. some of their products and still admit that they are right up there. And th- they absolutely have that ability. Read up on Brian Singer's X-Men. And Whedon was involved in that. And Holly Berry and a couple people have said, look, yeah, Brian Singer was not the greatest person to work with, but they had issues with Whedon on set too. Wow. So I had no idea about that. Read up on – there's a lot about him. There's a lot. And stuff is coming out now because all that shit came out about Brian Singer. Mm. So now, I mean, nothing came out as far as I know, so I would never say this, that mm-hmm. you know, Whedon mm-hmm. was – abusing young boys or anything no 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 as far as i know yeah yeah i know yeah i know i know you just mean in terms of unset behavior and that kind of just yeah that movie was extremely uncomfortable for certain reasons and singer may not have been the only reason basically so you know but again now that was pre-disney i understand that but you know even his issues and everything that he had a problem with age of Ultron, which is, was also a so disappointing with the Zack Snyder thing because he got shit on with age of Ultron. You figured he would understand how Snyder felt. Mm-hmm. Disney absolutely covered all that behind the scenes drama. That mm-hmm. that started coming out later on during the Ike Perlmutter fallout. Mm-hmm. So I probably talked too much and I'm sorry. But no, no, yeah, no, 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 you, you didn't. You, you, you really, you really shed light on a lot of things and it just, it, it just, it, it, this reminds me of, the way the way behavior like this gets uh, encouraged is perpetrated and the way lives are negatively affected because mm-hmm. of it um we all have to do a better job as Ray Fisher says accountability over entertainment that's why the Jeff Johns thing is bothering me it really is i'm i'm not saying it's an end all be all or it's, it is a splinter in my mind in terms of why is Patty Jenkins still working with this person? Like, what is it? Like, accountability over entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy 
apart from the personal assault against Ray Fisher, the threat of livelihood. I mean, like, when you make that kind of threat, you're not just like, that's not just... You are talking I mean, about crushing we, we, somebody. I mean, exactly. Just... We, we can't... I mean, we... I mean, you know, both you and I both know that we can't diminish any any sort of um, bullying or harassment because if it affects people, even their mental health, that's a serious thing. Mm -hmm. But what he did is even more blatant, even less subversive and less shadowy than that. Um, you're talking about someone's livelihood. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And dreams. And this is a young uh, actor, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. This is this is like what he did serious stuff. And basically, if you're if you listen to the words of Ray Fisher, he intimates that the behavior of Joss Whedon, they couldn't find any respite. They couldn't find any shelter. Because Jeff Johns and John Berg shielded him, supported him made sure that he had the autonomy to assault and harm the people um, who, you know, he was responsible for. He was responsible for their care. Um, yeah, the, and that that, that's very disturbing. It, it, is. it makes him as, as guilty. I mean, apart from, and I'm trying, I'm making sure that I'm not discussing some of the things that people may think are personal between me and Jeff Johns in terms of what he did to a project that I love and what he did in terms of, of to people that I love. Um, just on a professional professional level, it's very disturbing. Mm -hmm. And um, he's involved. And, and this is another thing with things like Wonder Woman. You have a, a, a movie that's definitely going to be moralizing about goodness, about heroism, standing up for the right thing, about truth, justice. And then you're working with someone who's an abuser, an assaulter of people, yeah. who's a bully. Make it make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Make it make sense. These are the things that bother me. But I'm somebody who thinks about things a little bit too much. That's one of the reasons why I like movies that have like 10,000 layers and <laughs> shit going on. I, these things tend to, you know. Um, but at the same time, obviously, I understand that. So many people worked on Wonder Woman '84, and yeah. it's not, you know, you, it's, it's kind of like the whole thing shouldn't be torn down. People should, shouldn't be like, oh, I'm not going to see it because Jeff Johns is involved. No, but I'm wondering why he's involved. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering why he he hasn't been put on the on the on the back burner or separated from. And I'm not saying one thing about me with issues like this is people like Jeff Jones and Joss Whedon and John Berg and others. I have said. I do not want these people to like, oh, never make anything again and be canceled forever. That's not, I'm not about that. Mm -hmm. Nobody's perfect. Some are less perfect than others. <laughs> but nobody's perfect. But there needs to be some accountability, some restitution, apologies made, some decisive action to do better, to make things better, to make people whole, to make things whole. I have not seen any of that and until mm -hmm. I do. I will remain on their necks. Yeah. That's my pledge. I'm with you, Ray Fisher. <laughs> yeah, I think, and hopefully more of us are on Ray Fisher's side as time goes on, and I think we need to be. I really yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully this perpetuates not just 
this project, other projects in Hollywood also are workplaces, right? Mm -hmm. Everywhere mm -hmm. that we are in the world, whether you're working at a mom and pop store or you're working in a big corporation, these things happen. And when these kind of public displays of a reckoning happens where, you know, people who are in positions of authority are abusing their power and creating unsafe work environments in terms of bullying and 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 mentally um harming people and making people mm -hmm. work in fear mm -hmm. i mean w you know when you have these public displays there's also something happening with the washington um washington football team mm -hmm. uh, in terms of their work environment it's going to be better for everyone so this is much bigger than um these you know movies and stories that we love so we'll, we'll yeah go ahead go ahead please. no i i'm just saying i agree with you and um if i may uh and then we you know i don't want to i don't want to drag it on too long it's okay um i could be wrong on this there's a there's a racist streak in there too and mm -hmm. i i have to say it i mean mm -hmm. You, there, you can't tell me that that's not one of the reasons that they felt they could do that to a guy like Ray Fisher. Young, mm -hmm. up and coming, no power in the industry. I understand that, definitely. Mm -hmm. Add into the fact that he's a man of color. Mm -hmm. you, I think that also makes them also believe, yeah, I can fuck with this guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, we do know that part of one of the things – that was an issue was a uh, something that they wanted him to do that Ray Fisher mm -hmm. was adamant about in terms of racial yep. issues. Yep. So there is that component. And we, I mean, we've we've discussed this. Yep. The fact that Ray Fisher, young African American with no following, so to speak, a character in comics who's who's black. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and Zack Snyder made him a linchpin of the film. And these guys, they just they just couldn't see it. No, nope. they they just couldn't see it, which is which are some of the issues that we talk about when we talk about Black Lives Matter movements and yeah. stuff like that. Sometimes it's not overt. I hate black people. KKK. <laughs> Sometimes it's just this system that's been built where people just lack the imagination. They just can't see people of color in those roles being given the attention that's been given to others before. And right. you can call it an omission and oversight, but it has really effects. It has really effects and it propagates, you know, um, the system that, you know, diminishes some and elevates others based on race. I agree. So, um, yeah, very serious topic. Um, it's been a roller coaster ride of an episode. <laughs> we've had highs and we've had, had lows, but I hope you guys have both been entertained and informed. So let's move on to our coming soon section. And we have two uh, trailers to talk about. One is not really a trailer. We'll just have a little bit of a word about it. So the first is Death on the Nile. Your first trailer, official. <laughs> this is the sequel to Kenneth. Brana's uh, Murder on the Orient Express. It's an adaptation of the iconic Agatha Christie novel of the same name, Death of the Nile. And Kenneth Branagh, director and star actor, plays iconic detective Hercule Poirot. 
and um, he also brings along with him his uh, his mustache, which is a completely <laughs> different character. <laughs> um, but he's joined by an all-star cast that includes um, Tom Bateman, Annette Benning, Russell Brand, Ali Bazal, Don French, Gal Gadot, Armie Hammer, Rosie Leslie, Emma McKee, Sophia Canodo, Jennifer Saunders, and Letitia Wright. Whew. Yeah. Wow. And, um, yeah, we got the trailer. So, Christian, react. What do you think about it? What a cast. Yeah. What a cast. Holy crap is it loaded. And uh, what I liked about it is... You know, Agatha Christie, I don't know if you've ever read any of her novels. I've read um, – when I was a kid, I used to read a bunch of them. I love murder murder novels. And I think I think her novels were great because they didn't give away too much right away. You legitimately – it's almost like reading a game of Clue. Really, mm-hmm, it's like reading mm-hmm, a game of Clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, but Clue, Clue is based off – yeah, that's what's based yeah. off. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So, and, and you know what? You just taught me. So, I didn't realize that the game of Clue was based off Agatha yeah. Christie's novels. So, it makes sense. You're that it feels like you're reading through one of those games and kept your interest from beginning to end. And I read both of these novels. I think they're both great books. And this was so lush and beautiful. And what I liked mm. about it is uh, it, some, of the, some of the shots reminded me a little of The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I love the way that movie was shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to repeat that I, I just don't know yet what's going to happen with theaters and myself and my wife going to see mm. But the first movie was a surprise. It kind of came out of nowhere and made three hundred some odd million dollars on a fifty-five million dollar budget. Did I you saw see that it, one in theaters. Yeah, I did not see it in theaters. Mm. I did not see it in theaters. I saw it. After, I did. I did. I wished I saw it in theaters after I saw the movie. I wished I saw it in theaters. So, I, I am really intrigued to see this movie. I am just so sad that I'm not ready to return to theaters yet. Um, what's the release date on this, Lupe? It's October 23, so not, not far away. Soon so maybe. Uh, where I live in New Jersey, the infection rate has dropped. We are not opening our theaters yet. I don't think we're planning on it until the end of September. So it is possible that I would I would go see this with a, a mask on and everything like that. But I don't know. I, I can't speak to that yet. I'm not ready yet. This sucker is available on demand, one of those. Absolutely. This would be a movie I would go see. I was pleasantly surprised with the first movie. So more the same. I, I really like Kenneth Brown. I like the way he directs movies. His mm-hmm. Shakespeare has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, he was even good as, in his MCU. <laughs> his, his oh, very absolutely. Very, like this, you know. I was about to say, this reminds me, just because of the color palette, yeah. reminds me of his Thor. Yeah. In terms of just, just look, at, he did a really good job with, uh, with um, Asgard. He absolutely really did. It made it feel like it was a very lived-in world, a very lived-in fantasy world. And his Hamlet was phenomenal. I think he did Henry V. That was really good. Uh, I I have high hopes for this. I really do. And it's got the right cast in place, very sumptuous, very lush. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, color me in. I'm I'm absolutely – put this one down for me. I just unfortunately don't know if my wife and I will be ready to go to theaters by then. But I am definitely watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I echo your sentiments. Um, I didn't watch the entire trailer. There's this thing that I've started doing where if I start watching the trailer and I'm convinced, if it's like, Jesus Christ, this looks good, <laughs> I'm hooked. By the time it gets to about 60% of the trailer, if it's giving me too much, I just stop. I'm like, I don't need to see anymore because I am sold. And um, Gal Gadot, God damn. 
Uh, what a God. woman. She's perfect. What a woman. Perfect. My Jesus. God. Right. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> she was in there looking like a whole a whole cheesecake with the cherry on top. Um, and Army Hammer also looking very dapper and handsome. They made they made a very handsome couple. Yes. Really got that that it's it, it's got a very romantic while um uh murder on the Orient Express um felt different. That was more claustrophobic, right? Yeah. And then it was. In icy mountains. This one it's more open and there's this romantic feel of, you know, they're on this paradise getaway on the Nile and mm-hmm. you know, as you said, the the great Gatsby feels to it. Um just seems like such a beautiful getaway. Um, and then, a murder. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Um, so, Perot. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's, it's got that very... Um, it's provocative. That mix is provocative. And I think it's going to be dope. I can't remember who the, uh, who the perpetrator of the crime is. Obviously, I'm not going to find out. I'm not going <laughs> to anything... Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't wait to see this one. I'm really glad that there is a space for this kind of movie. This kind of. It's not quite a blockbuster, but you wouldn't say it's like a small indie movie anyway. Um, and Absolutely. Yeah, and it's adults as well in terms of. Um, it's mm-hmm. not like a Sonic the Hedgehog or you know. Um, I just I, I, I'm I'm happy that it's here, and I can't wait for him to do. Do not do all of her books. Uh, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it, Mr. Bronner. Um, so, yeah, tell us what you guys think of the Death of the Nile trailer. If you've seen it, what do you think about Gal Gadot? She was looking fine as hell. God, Tell us how you feel. Um, and the last uh, teaser trailer we'll talk about is the one for the Snyder cut. Um, it's not really a trailer. It's a, like one of those like teasers for teaser things. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I bet you my bottom dollar, you're not as excited as I am. And that's okay. <laughs> Tell us your truth. I am not ex- as excited as you. You're right. However, that doesn't necessarily mean I wasn't happy with what I saw. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. I like a color, color grading that's a little in between, mm-hmm. but for the love of God, it's still an improvement over what the hell we saw in that yeah. theatrical version of, of Justice League, which was just an assault to the sentence, the senses. Um, very, very brief, obviously. There wasn't a lot there. I like the little touches, the music. Give it to me. Come on, mm-hmm. give it. I love the music. You know, you guys know how I feel about Hans Zimmer, and you got Junkie XL. So come on, come on. That's that that Danny Elfman score was such a step back from yeah. what we had gotten. Come on, it's just really. And I, and that's not against Danny Elfman. I know he's done bad. It, just, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a fit. They forced it to pander. Which no, is... it was just a bad fit. I yeah. agree. Just a bad fit. I like how the little bit that we saw with the confrontation with Superman is more of a confrontation. Uh, that that little bit definitely looked like they were gearing up for a fight immediately, mm-hmm. which means there's a darker Clark that's rising from the grave uh, mm-hmm. than we than we thought. The If You Seek His Monument was a nice callback to the end of BVS there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a, oh, and of course, how can I forget to mention what we had talked about earlier? Cyborg, man. You're getting mm-hmm. to see a little bit more of him now, you know, with the with the football game and everything. You can see mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. get more about his background. Yep. We've been told how many times that he has been completely 
basically written out of the theatrical version. It'll be so much nicer to see that as opposed to whatever the hell that we got. So, yeah, those things, definitely. Um, and as I said to you before, I'll end it on, I, as I said, whatever our feelings are, I always felt that Zack had a good handle on Superman and Man of Steel. And I liked a lot of BVS. I didn't like as much as you and Paul did, but I liked a lot of BVS. And it was a travesty of what happened to Justice League. So I want to see the continuation of Superman's story and how he was meant to be resurrected. I want to see that. And this is the true way that he was meant to be resurrected. There's so much more here you can tell in just this brief 28-second clip that we got. So, yeah, I mean, sure. Am I not as excited as you, Lupe? No. But am I happy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I mean, I mean I'm going to keep on ringing that bell and <laughs> I I am just elated just the the emotions and the feels that it gave me. I mean, obviously the movie itself, but obviously the movement behind the movie. Right. Um but seeing how different it looks, it's like, yes, that's a Zack Snyder movie. You know, like see that's the other big thing. It makes it feel like you're in the same universe. That was why Justice League was such a affront. Absolutely, absolutely. Like no matter what, look at the end of the day, haters are gonna hate what Zack. Yeah, like like, but it's the same way with Marvel. Think about it. People who don't like Marvel are not gonna like Marvel things. But you know what? At least they will be what they are. Right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you get a a James Gunn movie and they're trying to make it like a Zack Snyder movie. You're like, right. What right. is going like, you know, those were some of the things that audiences and people who, who gravitate to these things were just like, even people who don't like it saw it and knew immediately that this is just wrong. Like even people who love hating on Zack Snyder saw it and they're like, come on guys. Like we want to hate on this guy. Like, <laughs> what, <laughs> like come on. So, um, just seeing seeing how much his touch like his signature touch returning to his property that just it just filled me with so much joy to be like yes mm-hmm. this is just and it's exact like the color grading yes you can say it's too dark you don't like it like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like and I'm, I'm not talking about you like i know you, you you're saying you prefer something but you're okay with it some people yeah. just outright don't like it and that's fine i don't have any problem with anyone disliking it there there are things that for example like the aspect ratio i wish that the aspect ratio was wider gotcha. but yeah i understand that's just me wishing but the, the main thing to me is that this is what he wants to do that's just the main thing so just let him do what he wants to do. I don't want him doing things because it's popular. Mm, people won't like this. That's not that's not your voice. Then right. then you're right. you know I mean you understand what I'm saying. Like doing things for other people is just not. It's something that we don't encourage our kids to do. It's something that we always preach about. Oh, be yourself. You know, be happy with yourself. Don't follow the crowd. Don't. So then, why is it that when it comes to people who are artists and stuff we forget all those all those you know great things that we always preach and we always talk about and and we go the other route Mm -hmm. so um i'm just very excited to see it in terms of dissecting it a little bit even before the real trailer uh ray fisher is Mm -hmm. the only other character that got his own 
his own, you know, um, and, and that says a lot because as Zach said, he is the, the heart of the movie, the core of the movie. This is right. a character who's not right. popular. This is a character who's not like, it's not, oh my goodness, it's Batman, you know? Right, like, right. That's a big step, a very big thing, something that Ray Fisher lauded Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio for when everybody was talking, when, when you know, in the heat of the conversation about Black Lives Matter, a conversation that should always continue, um, you know, that, you know, a, a, a black actor and a black character, like we talk about meritocracy and, and creating an equal playing field and not judging people just based on, on color and not ignoring people. That's nothing. Or omitting people. Absolutely. Because they don't have, you know, an affectation that, you know, we've been used to propping up mm -hmm. uh, forever. So that that's, that's a very powerful thing. Um, also, when Superman looks and reads, you know, the, uh, the, it's a monument that, that, that says, you know, if you seek his monument, look around yep. you, you yep. know, basically the Justice League are his monument. They're his legacy. And I know, I know that that's, that's the way Zack Snyder makes movies. I'm able to see those things. So those are some breakdowns. You know, he, he looks down and says, if you seek his monument, look around here. And then the Justice League, they're going to land behind him. And he's going to look around him and see Wonder Woman, who he inspired to come back from a hundred years hiatus. He's going to see um, Flash. He's going to see Aquaman, Cyborg, all these metahumans that came to the forefront because he came out in Man of Steel. That's the way that Zack Snyder designed this universe, for Superman to be the beacon that brings out metahumans from the underground into the forefront. So if you seek Superman's monument, in that instance, there's a visual. So that's why I love the way he makes movies. Um, and and the thing, why the reason why some people get him and some people don't is if you don't understand his language of making movies, you just it just you just won't un understand it. It just Okay, it's just a couple shots. But people who understand what he does, they can dive deep and see all these um, all these things. So um, the 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 full trailer is going to be something else. And I think it's important too in this little you know before we end here, I I think it's important in this very little whatever it was twenty five to thirty second teaser that it is it is very Zach, and mm -hmm. it does you don't. We don't have to say that positively or negatively. That's not mm -hmm. what it is. It is – that mm -hmm. was the point of this whole thing. He's been mm -hmm. very excited and very passionate since this – I mean it was all that before that. But since this announcement, he's been very excited and very passionate. And this brief little snippet that we saw is very Zach, very, very much. So Absolutely. you know, when you see that, that's telling you whatever we're going to get at fandom and whatever Zack Snyder's Justice League, whatever it is, the Snyder Cut becomes – will be him. So yeah. for better or for worse, for hater or for lover or for whatever it is, this is his, man. And that's what this was all about. So, and, and, and even me, who's not an Uber fan, watching this brief 30-second snippet, I said, that looks like something Zach would make. Yep. And isn't that, that was the whole point. So, it is. yeah. So it, you, you can't, end of the day, bottom line, you should at least feel happy for the fucking guy. Seriously. Yeah. God, just feel yeah. good for him. Uh, yeah. And well, on that positive note, there goes our episode of Enin number 39. As <laughs> advertised, it was 
it was a it was a long one um hope you guys uh, enjoy this primer we wish you the best for the weekend we hope you enjoy dc fandom and uh come back and talk to us about the amazing things that we saw and heard it's going to be a blowout episode on enn 40 coming up next week christian say goodbye to the people this was a good one, man. It was a marathon, but I had a lot of fun, um, and it was great to be back after a real break. And uh, you know, for the last two weeks, if you guys, Paul had to jump. Remember, he's at underscore Paul underscore P. Um, I am at chart six three six three at both Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. And once again, Paul is on Twitter at underscore Paul underscore score P. I have been yours truly, Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at Live Love Lupe. You can also find me on Vero at Live Love Lupe. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the film Exiles ENN. And until next time, stay exiled. <laughs>